Oh, yes. First Budweiser of the morning. Just amazing. Hello. Happy Wednesday. Good morning this morning. Live from the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. Yes, it's Radio Free Almond. And yes, you or you, me or me. And ISIS has a funny way of celebrating the birth of Christ, don't you think? It's so interesting how the these terrorists always choose these most twisted ways and and venues for uh their terror and their hate and their despising of christianity and it's so interesting how when you look at what they do they go into like for instance at this uh Strasbourg christmas market remember a while ago there was that uh bus attack i can't remember exactly where that was where they took the bus in and they uh, plowed into these people during this, like, I, I think it was in Germany or something like that. I can't even remember. These things tend to stack up. It seems so sad that they do. 
but they tend to kind of stack up and you and you forget about them but this everything just kind of takes on this really unpleasant type uh and, and obviously terrorism is supposed to be unpleasant I, I i get all that but it takes on this really twisted horrible type of uh well religious war aspect of the Muslim attack on Christianity and the Muslim attack on uh, Western cultures. And I, I have to tell you that uh, really in the end, and, and what's sad about this is that remember in the day there was a there was a reluctance on the part of many to call this a religious war. Remember that? Like for instance, they even even after 9-11 there was some desire to try to whitewash this and say that this was not a religious war, that this was about politics. But I really don't see how anybody could misconstrue this in any way, shape, or form as anything but a religious war. I, I'm not quite – but I remember back in the day uh, when I was on Dinosaur Radio and we talked about this and, and we and – we, talked about the uh, terrorist attack, and there were so many people who were reluctant to call this a religious war. And now I think it's firmly provable that it is. So this holiday market uh, attack, it took place yesterday, and there were three people who were murdered and 12 injured. And now France has upgraded its security threat level uh, to a major degree, and it's this Christmas market uh, kind of place where people go and shop and do that kind of thing, and the highest category on alert is now, uh, and so they're going to strengthen border controls, which I guess it's about time, and of course they're going to have to have armed guards and people at these Christmas markets and other events. And the uh, the guy with the gun opened fire at three different places in the city and then got into a firefight with all of the soldiers. And then you had a guy, the guy jumped into a taxi and then uh, wound up disappearing. So that's interesting. He jumped into a taxi and got away. They cut off all the roads uh, to find him, and he's a uh, 29-year-old individual, but born in Strasbourg. So this this is an individual who, while he was known as a potential security threat, I think they called him uh, Fish Ass. I you know they had some name for him because they knew the guy already was was uh, was was a threat, but he was born in Strasbourg. So obviously he's an individual who had been either born into a radicalized family as it was or radicalized there. And they tried to arrest the guy uh, and they found grenades in his apartment originally. And then suddenly he had uh, – it was a separate crime. It was like a robbery or something. And they tried to arrest the guy. He wasn't there. And then suddenly he pops up at this market and uh, fired into – people who were just minding their own business and they 
essentially just wreaked havoc on this place. And so once again, we have the image of all this, uh, this, you know, kind of beautiful, misty, colorful Christmas lighting and everything else. And we have, uh, the specter of, again, uh, police and bodies and emergency personnel and all that kind of stuff. And so then they, they locked down the European Parliament, which is in Strasbourg. That's where the European Union Parliament is. And they locked that place down. And so and apparently there was a, a mayor's uh, office that was, that was locked down as well. Uh, this, of course... Uh, this Christmas market goes all the way back to 1570 and it's one of France's most popular kind of uh, holiday events. And there's the grand Isle where the, it's a beautiful, it's beautiful. Strasbourg is just amazing. Even though there was a terrorist attack in 2015 in Paris, they they thought they had the security aspects under control, but they didn't. They do check people. Uh, visitors have their bags searched and everything else. But how this guy popped in there is is another story. And the Christmas attack I was telling you about before in Germany, this was in Berlin, the Christmas market in Berlin. And that was in 2016. And you had 12 people murdered in that one. And this was uh, at the hands of a Tunisian uh, who didn't wind up gaining asylum in Germany. And then they shot him in Milan uh, a while of that. So it's been a crazy week for France. But in the long term, though, uh, this is a holy war. And and people continually try to not say that. And, and I, again, I remember even after 9-11... Do you all do remember how it was almost forbidden uh, by people to uh, uh, to use the word holy war? Like if you use that, you were being accused of exacerbating an existing situation. In hindsight, golly, I'll never forget this. I'll never forget how uh, we were all so told to be so quiet. In the wake of these Muslim attacks, we had so many people who were making people in the media and in our realm and in our genre and in even conservative media, it was always so uh, important to kind of uh, convey somehow that, no, 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 this isn't about being Muslim. This is radical Muslim. This is this is an aberration of the faith. And actually, indeed, to, to some degree, it is. Uh, and and but at the same time, there this cannot be mistaken that this is a holy war. We have over in Syria and other areas attacks on Coptic Christian churches uh, in Egypt, Coptic Coptic Christian churches are under attack constantly, and the Muslims are are killing them. And so we really couldn't couldn't use the word Muslim. We had to say radical Islam, which I'll I'll grant you that. You know, I you know I wouldn't want some Christian guy doing all kinds of crazy things, and just suddenly that's what Christians are. So I I mean I get that you want to be 
careful with your language there. And, and radical Muslim, radical Islam is a, is, a, is a fairly good terminology for it. But nonetheless, to deny that we are in the midst of a holy war is to be having your head in the sand. It just doesn't make any sense at all. But I do remember the days. And do you all remember those? Am I right or am I wrong? That people were always told, be careful. This isn't a holy war. You're going to kick off a, a, a firestorm of this and that. You got to be careful. Don't call this a holy war. Don't call this a that. And, and the reality is that's exactly what it is. And, and, it, and it becomes fairly evident when these guys choose holiday venues, Christian celebratory venues, to meet out their attacks. We had another attack at a cathedral and uh, where people were shot inside a cathedral. And, yeah, and, John, you're right. They, Obama couldn't even say radical Islam. So it was, you know. And we used to always couch everything with, oh, yes, it's a religion of peace and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I have to the I have to tell you that there are similarities and, 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 and there are similarities between certain Christian elements and, and certain Muslim elements. I, I mean, I think this was very apparent and bear with me here because I don't want you to I don't, I don't want you to mistake what I'm saying here. And, and Father Tom, uh, you can assist me to a certain degree on this. But on, uh, on December 8th, on Saturday, it was the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And that is in the Catholic faith and some other Christian denominations. Uh, there is the celebration or the commemoration of uh, the conception of Mary, mother of Jesus, it, it, and, and uh, uh, born without original sin. And that, that was the angel came down and many depictions in, in common paintings and things like that are depictions of Mary, for instance, as a teenager being notified of her purity and of, of her, uh, her uh, lack of uh, original sin. We have the concept of being born with original sin, uh, and because Jesus died for our sins, we are cleansed. That's that's a particular belief. I'm not going to get into. I'm not going to get into debating. You know, Mary and that kind. I mean, I, I do want to tell you that that just as a point of order, you know, there are people who believe the Catholic faith is somehow twisted because it it worships Mary, and, and we do not worship Mary. Mary is an intercessor uh, in the Catholic faith and is not uh, a worshiper. We don't worship her. We, we pray to her for intercession, uh, much like uh, individuals uh, came to her at the wedding of Cana, and they didn't ask Jesus to when they ran out of wine. And, and when they ran out of wine at the wedding of Cana, they asked uh, for Mary to go ahead and and get the job done, and 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 Mary did. So that's where the Mary as intercessor element uh, comes from. Not solely, but there. But oddly enough, and I'm getting into the weeds here. I don't want to get too too crazy on you, too religiousy on you right now. But uh, and then I'm going to get to what happened yesterday in the Oval Office, which was nothing short of astounding, beautiful, and amazing. So. Anyway, the Immaculate Conception, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, it was a holy day of obligation. So, for instance, I went to church twice on Saturday. I went to the 10 o'clock Mass for the actual 
Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and then five o'clock mass. I could have gone Sunday, but five o'clock mass for the for the, actually that weekend's mass. So anyway, in in investigating the uh, Feast of the Immaculate Conception and the identification of Mary uh, as uh, born without original sin, I the uh, the uh, there are similarities. Some claim I don't necessarily agree but there are there are similarities uh for instance uh to the Quran believe it or not uh to this identification of these people who are a protected class so to speak and 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 free from the devil and one example of that and I, again I'm, here I am I, I'm I'm no religious scholar by any stretch of the imagination believe me and so I I just don't you know anyway and by the way, the, the Immaculate Conception is actually reflected in the Bible, and so I just want to let you know that. And, and it was a Spanish painter who identified it, based who be, made this beautiful uh, the iconography for the uh, Immaculate Conception is beautiful because it 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 actually reflects directly the passage uh, from uh, Genesis, I believe, that identifies the Mary. Anyway, in the in the Quran, Hannah is a individual who wishes that uh, there is protection for her babies uh, from the devil. And and there are some scholars in the Catholic Church and beyond who believe that, uh, that actually the Immaculate Conception concept, which, by the way, didn't become a uh, holy day of obligation or really a major... Uh, Catechism of the Church until the 1850s, I believe it was actually installed by the the Pope at the time. So anyway, but so Hannah in the in in the Quran is seeking protection of her children from the devil, a- and there are many who construe that, and maybe they're right and maybe they're wrong. I don't know, as kind of the original concept of the Immaculate Conception that in fact the Immaculate Conception is borrowed from the Quran. And and actually I don't agree with that because because after all uh it w- wouldn't have been unusual for a mother to wish upon her baby's uh, ultimate protection. So uh that that wasn't necessarily unusual. And also uh, there's a problem because the 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 uh Muslim faith Islam does not recognize original sin. There's no such thing as the concept of original sin in Islam. So that kind of blows that out of the water right away. But there are scholars and people smarter than me who see some similarities. What I'm saying is, and what I'm getting at, is that there are many similarities in the foundations of these faiths that actually are amazing in their similarities, and and you'd be amazed at how much in common sometimes uh, in certain aspects that we have uh, with uh, the Jewish faith and the Muslim faith, and, and, you know. So it, it's kind of amazing to think about that and to think about those uh, those elements and 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 to and to know that there are sometimes 
similarities if you go right down to the very foundational principles uh, and and the elements of the church and the biblical sourcing that goes on in terms of uh, exercising uh, these faiths. So it is pretty crazy uh, sometimes, but it's uh, it's a a very interesting kind of uh, concept there. Uh, so it's too bad, really, that we wind up in the situation we wind up in, where you have people who uh, might not have more similarities than differences, but, uh, uh, but oh, Dean's a Calvinist. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's, going, that's going way back, brother. The, gra- the Calvinists, they believe that, uh, that grace will get you there, my friend. I, li- I like that. I like the... Uh, uh, and now I can't. I can't remember though. I think I'm. I thought I knew this, but I have a fifty-fifty chance of getting getting it right. Dean, do Calvinists believe that uh, grace is automatically given or grace must be earned? I it was it was under my impression that uh, that you earn grace and are not automatically afforded it uh, in, in the Calvinist uh, belief there. So. Um, Yes, and, and Julie is talking about intercession, uh, praying to Mary for intercession, for watching over the babies and people she loves. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful concept, really. So wanted to uh, uh, convey that to you. So, But nonetheless, we, we are, in my opinion, in a full-blown holy war. A- and the sooner we admit that without, again, pretending like we're not uh, – the better off we are, and the attack, the attack in Strasbourg, and the attack on the Berlin market, the attack in churches, the killing of Coptic Christians across the the world, all at the hands of. Uh, okay, it's automatically okay, Dean. Thank you. So, is it um, then the is it the uh, Lutherans then that would believe that grace I, I, grace is earned through good good works? I, I think it's the Lutherans. Listen to me. Butchering Religious Studies 101 here at uh, Radio Free Element. But anyway, I try. I'm fascinated by it. Uh, yes, Lisa, there you go. Predetermination. I love it. Now we're, now we're getting someplace. Now, we're, now you're starting to kind of jog my memory of what I, what I thought, thought I knew. So thank you, Dean, for that. So we have all faiths represented here, which I think is awesome. So – but the sooner we admit that this is this is a this is a holy war and stop hiding from the fact that there are muslims radical muslims who want to kill us only because we are christian or only because we are jewish the sooner we kind of go ahead and get that on paper and just say that's the truth uh, the better off we are and and no more of an example you need than the attack on the Strasbourg market solely because it is a uh it is a place of the celebration of the birth of Christ and all of the accoutrements associated with that so yeah speaking of that it's uh it's uh, national yeah, Lutherans, Lisa, Lutherans are, uh, they, they sometimes will call them B-team Catholics. I don't think they will call themselves that, but you know what I'm saying is Lutherans are pretty close in terms of how they operate, at least the ones I knew. I had a, uh, I had a girlfriend in high school, uh, Andrea, and her, uh, her, uh, her dad was a uh, Lutheran minister and was uh, – 
was higher up in the in the Lutheran Synod here uh, in St. Louis, and uh, between her dad and her gigantic boxers, uh, and I mean dogs, her twin boxers, I rarely got close to her, at least when they were around. I'm just telling you. So it was, you know, the, 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 the minister's daughter uh, and, and his giant boxers were obstacles sometimes to my uh, ability to reach her. So just want to let you know that. That just come in handy whenever you want your daughter to uh, not be accessed by a by a person like me. Uh, you need to get a father who's a Lutheran minister and a couple of big boxers. Boxers are great dogs, by the way. Do people have boxers? I I rarely see full blown boxers out there these days. Do people still have boxers as pets? Whatever happened to the boxer? These boxers were gigantic. They were like mini horses. They were huge. I think there might be. Uh, uh, they, I think they they are. Uh, I think they are. Honestly, uh, there's a smaller version and a bigger version. They're almost like the Schnauzer, but boy, they had some big ass boxers. These were like these were they were these look like they look like racing boxers boxers, and they were they were pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, Robin says Episcopalians. Yeah, you're Episcopalian, uh, known as Catholic without the rules. Uh, that's true. I, really, one of the one of the only really truly prevailing differences. Fundamentally, in, in, in between the Protestants and the Catholics, and, and that would be in terms of uh, the uh, when it when it when it comes to uh, the bread and the wine, and when it when it when it comes to that prayer and and that approach is uh, the Catholics believe in transubstantiation, which is actually the it becomes the body, it becomes the blood through prayer. And, and 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 everything else, and, and so uh, and and then Protestants really don't. They just think it's bread and wine. It's a representation, and Catholics believe in pure substantiation through the Eucharistic prayer. Now, listen to me, whatever. So anyway, uh, that's the one good way. So let me know if, uh, yeah, Julie, do you? I would uh, I would like to uh, someday if i ever had a dog i i might consider getting a boxer cuz they they're, they're good dogs they're almost like uh, they they're kind of like dobermans um maybe like uh the the bigger not, not not a pit bull it's a bigger dog but they're very nice but they're strong and they're formidable and at least my girlfriend's boxers were scary so once they once the boxers love you and and are protective of you. Uh, very few people get past uh, them if they're aiming to you. So they're good guard dogs and everything else, but nonetheless. All right, so when we come back, I uh, <laughs> Jimmy calls them licking machines. Is that what boxers are or is that what Pyrenees are? Yeah. Anyway. Pit bulls, yeah. Pit bulls are, you know, pit bulls are great dogs, and and people, you know, have uh, ruined them. Um, yeah, Dobermans are more intense. Remember the, um, remember the movie? I think it was called Doberman. 
or the Doberman gang or something like that. Remember that? And, and, and the Dobermans like went out and like robbed banks and things. Never forget that. I saw that movie. I saw every horrible movie ever made with my dad. So I think it was called Doberman. I'll have to look that up. But uh, the pit bull is really a good dog. You could go on the internet right now and find all kinds of videos and things like that uh, and see these baby pit bulls and big pit bulls who take good care of like babies and kids and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know what exactly has happened, but I think, you know, people have are the ones that turn the pit bulls into bad dogs. If, if, and, and, and I don't know why they, um, why it become, why the pit bull has that reputation really in general and why it's chosen by Hoosiers who, want to turn it into a violent or and thugs who want to turn it into a violent dog but but the pit bull by its very nature is not uh is is not a bad dog so just letting you know now i do know it, yeah lisa the, I, I hear they are great babysitters i i honestly do and some of, some of you like the collie and uh and it, oh is Petey dog is Petey a pit bull i didn't know that Petey was a tiny pit bull then, or was Petey always a puppy? I don't know. We'll break that down eventually and get to the bottom of that. So, hey, folks, uh, I was minding my own business yesterday and listening to Fox News on the radio, on satellite radio. And I'll be darned if that wasn't President Trump and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer arguing in the Oval Office. It was uh, the most awesome thing to happen in recent history. And in fact, I don't know whether I've ever seen that happen ever in history. And boy, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer didn't like it. And the media certainly didn't like it either. And they obviously took the side of Nancy Pelosi and took the side of Chuck Schumer. In fact, we had all the never Trumpers out there on CNN who were at MSNBC who were talking about this as well. Amanda Carpenter and and Bill Kristol and all the usual suspects uh, talking about the wall. But man, was that amazing. So after the after the national anthem, I'm going to kind of break that down. But boy, what did you guys think of that? Because I, I, I'd never heard or seen. Eventually, I saw it. Uh, it, it anything resembling that in my lifetime? Because normally, these are supposed to be uh, photo ops, and 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 they they're supposed to be just things where you get the pictures of these guys uh, before they start to meet, and. Uh, and President Trump turned it into a debate uh, with them, and it was just fantastic. And and you had Nancy Pelosi sitting there going, "Ah, we mean, we please, we should talk about all this off off camera because they love their whole behind the 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 closed door meeting, and that's so they could come out and lie to you about how it went, and then and then have." And then have uh, President Trump have to deny the claims they make uh, that, about what happened in in the in the meeting, and so uh, of course Trump played them and, and would have none of it. 
and and knows that about what happens uh, when when you have meetings at the Oval Office. You have generally politicians who come out. Normally, what they do is they meet with the president and they walk out onto the driveway to a bank of microphones and they lie and put their own spin on what happened. Now, for better or for worse, and and whether or not uh, you agree with President Trump or not, the reality is no one can argue that this guy is open and transparent. What you see is what you get. What you saw yesterday is what you get. And it's completely new uh, to the American people to see the sausage being made and to see the lies that are usually told and to see the people and how they react when they actually have to be accountable. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were pissed. And, and it was great because they could not try to get those cameras turned off fast enough. And, and, and you know, President Trump risks a lot when he does that because he knows how things are going to be perceived and couched. He knows what the, what the media is going to do. He, he knows that the media is going to take the side automatically of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. He knows Bill Kristol and his cabal will take the side of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, even though you, they'd call themselves the best Republicans on the, on the planet. I mean, he knows all that. But he also knows that you will hear what he has to say. He know he he knows that he's actually speaking to you. So he doesn't care what NBC or CBS think about how that thing went down. He cares what you think about how that thing went down. He cares what you think about how that conversation went. So he's not worried about about that. He knows it's a foregone conclusion. No one in the media is going to cover this correctly. And also, by the way, he knows that he might as well go ahead and make this all out in the open because it's going to be bastardized and lied about by the media anyway. So so you so you might as well just cut to the chase and let it all hang out and let the people decide. Because by doing a closed-door meeting with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, first of all, they can't be trusted. Uh, Schumer has never been one to be trusted in any way, shape, or form. This guy slinks around and, and lies about everything he's told behind closed doors and will drop a dime on anybody. So as a tactical move, President Trump absolutely made the, the right move by simply getting everybody out in the open, exposing the conversation, and letting the chips fall where they may. But he was speaking to us, and and we didn't need to hear from Nancy Pelosi how the meeting went and Chuck Schumer lying about how the meeting went. We didn't, have, we didn't need to hear about that from them. We wanted to see it all in full glory, and full glory, man, did it appear. And uh, please, we we'll have this conversation behind. There's no reason to have a debate. Of course, there's not, because you're going to lose to the man, and 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 you know it. Although uh, that wasn't exactly with the take the takeaway from the media. Anyway, without further ado, happy Wednesday, everybody. It is our national anthem. Oh, say can you see? 
by the dawn's early light. What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there oh say does that star-spangled What would you do with the money if you didn't have to pay your house payment for two months, especially around the holidays? That's right. No house payment for two months. This is James Hawkins at Golden Oak Lending. Don't let money problems spoil your holidays. You can use the increased value of your home to pay off bills or get cash out. Put two months of house payments in your pocket. Visit GoldenOakLending.com or call 314-567-GOLD. NMLS 1149-37-111 Westport Plaza, St. Louis, Missouri. Call 567-GOLD. Live from the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. Happy Wednesday, everybody! Today is uh, today is National Gingerbread House Day, or whatever it is. Really? Why? I mean, I like gingerbread. I, I really liked uh, Lacey Reinhardt's Ginger Dead Men that she made from HauntedSTLTours.com. Yeah, this is an old one. I know. This is... Uh, this is Timbuk3, a... Are out of out of Austin, Texas, but I have actually history with uh, Tim Buck Three. 
This is this is their big hit. They made it big. I was really happy for them when they did. But there was a band in Madison, Wisconsin, when I was there, and they uh, were. It was called Pat McDonald and the Essentials, and Pat. That's Pat McDonald right there. He's he was uh, the lead singer of Pat McDonald and the Essentials in there, and. Uh, in Madison. And yeah, Mama K, one hit wonder for sure. They made a lot of money off this though. They they this is the kind of thing that you just kinda you're able to get and you uh and you just go to the beach, you know, for the rest of your life. But yeah, that's that's um I, I remember I I did sometimes I would do music reviews uh, for the for the local paper, so I would I, I did the you know they pay you like so and so amount of money and you'd submit a music review for the paper. I did that for theater and I I did that for uh, music and I reviewed one time Pat McDonald and the Essentials and I uh, I critique them. And I kind of made a, uh, I, I kind of made it, made it, made fun of them, you know, uh, because I said it was it was too much Pat and not enough essentials. I thought it, I thought he kind of took over the the stage, and it was kind of um, it wasn't a big anyway. He went up to be he, he hey listen, schooled me. He went off and became rich and famous with Tim Buck Three, and came up with. Uh, that one hit wonder. So good for him. Good for him. Speaking of music, I'm actually going to have uh, Daniel from U2 Hype back in here today in about an hour. This time he's going to bring the REM guy with him. Guy's going to be doing some uh, some REM tributing. That's going to be this Friday, and it's going to be at Delmar Hall. And so that's going to be fun. I don't know. Yeah, Margaret, I do. I did do investigative reporting, but when I was at in college, I do. I did music reviews for the local newspaper. That was in Madison, Wisconsin. So, uh, I did. I did that back in college, my college days, as I said. So, yeah, no, we we're gonna have them in here. That that's Delmar Hall this Friday, uh, and it's gonna be the U two tribute band. It's going to be U2 Hype and Murmurs, which is the uh, tribute band for R.E.M. I think I'm getting that right. But he's going to be in at uh, he's going to be in at uh, 8 o'clock. We'll uh, mess around with that. So let's get what, hap- uh, what happened to uh, what happened here in the in the Oval Office. It was really it was really good. It was really great. What happened is it was supposed to be basically a photo op. It was supposed to be Nancy Pelosi coming in and, and with Chuck Schumer into the Oval Office. And there's um, Mike Pence with him as well. And uh, they were uh, – and Pence during this whole thing was looking like he didn't, he didn't want to be there. Which is fine. Pence always plays kind of the uh, the straight guy here, which is um, great, fine, perfect. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we talked about the 
the the the argument that they had and of course you knew that what was going to happen is the Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were going to be lauded by the news media as standing up to President Trump and and that, that and President Trump knew that going into this okay the, these kinds of Oval Office meetings uh, and, and these kinds of things, uh, yeah, John, Pence did look uncomfortable. But, you know, to tell you the truth, Pence always looks uncomfortable uh, be, because he's such a buttoned-up guy. He just always looks – he doesn't look loose ever. So, I, I you know, I, I've talked to him even. I've done interviews with him before when he was in St. Louis – and uh, Pence is just one of those guys. He's, you know, he's, he's you're, you're, he never is going to look, he never looks comfortable in anything. But, but this time he did actually look like he wanted to get, uh, definitely get out of there. That's for sure. So anyway, when they have these meetings, when they have these uh, kinds of confabs in the Oval Office, the design usually is that, okay, these guys come in. It's a photo op. There might be one question or two to President Trump or something, and he might say something. Who knows? But but what happened is these guys would have these meetings, and then we would all wait for them to march down the driveway to the bank of microphones where they would summarily lie and misrepresent what just went on in the Oval Office. So what they would do is they would come out, they would come out of the meeting with the president, go down to the microphones, lie about what the president said, and then the rest of the day, the president would have to deny what they claimed. That That's the game that President Trump and the American people are tired of. That's the game that we're sick of. That's the game, though, that we always thought, well, that must, that's, that, that's how it's played. That must be the way it goes. We understand that. Um, and, 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 and we get it. But, the, but that's, that's how the game is played. And President Trump knew that's how the game would be played. President Trump knew that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi were going to leave the meeting and lie about what happened in the meeting. They, they, uh, President Trump knew that. So good for him. He just came out and he said, you know what? Let's just have this meeting right here. How does how do them apples sound? And boy, Nancy Pelosi didn't like that. But here's a couple of a few snippets of of of, of how the thing went. Uh and and this is uh this is about the government shutdown. Now keep in mind over the spending bill, keep in mind President Trump promised a wall. And President Trump wants to uh, wants to deliver on the wall. Now, I, I I'm I'm slightly conflicted on the wall. I'm not as I'm not in the mode where I believe it's as necessary as some people believe it is. I, I happen to think and and happen to know for a fact, though, according to uh, the Department of Homeland Security and everything else, that the the problem mostly with immigration is half of its problems that are created by our own doing. And I'm not just talking about lack of border enforcement. I'm talking about how we actually invite these people in through the green card visa program to to work here. 
and they overstay their visas. So it's a matter of fact that half of the people in this country illegally are here originally because they were invited here. Not talked about a whole lot because all the politicians, Republicans too, the one who lost in Kansas, remember that? All the politicians love to talk about expanding the green card thing because they love to help their corporatist donors. They, they do it for their donors. They're big bit who want to pay people nothing and then turn around and claim that we're getting the best and brightest from India and China. It's like, no, you're not. You're getting Pingling and pa- Haji who will work for nothing for you and bring uh, and on the promise of bringing their families in and to jump in ahead in line to get a citizenship. But you're not fooling anybody with your we're just getting the best and brightest. You know, American kids aren't as smart as no, not true. Never has been. But anyway, the wall's an issue. The wall's a thing. And so they got into it uh, in the Oval Office right in front of our in front of our very eyes. Because they say you constantly misstate how much the wall is built, how much of the wall is built, and how much is there. But that's not the point here. We have a disagreement about the wall, Washington whether it's effective. Yeah, or yeah. But and Trump's like, yeah, the, yeah. Thanks, Chuck. You're quoting the Washington Post. And by this, at this point in time, uh, Chuck Schumer is pale. He he's he's ashen faced because. He knows he's being played by the president right in front of America's eyes. Schumer had no idea that this meeting was going to be held in uh, public. No idea whatsoever that, that, that this meeting was going to be held in front of uh, television cameras. And, of course, uh, the, 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 the media loves this. They don't care. I mean, even though they maybe they're liberal or whatever else, but they'll take a story any day, and it just doesn't matter. So they were loving this, and so when Chuck Schumer's there, you know, can you imagine the leader, one of the leaders of the Democratic Party, right? One of the leaders of the Democratic Party, when he's confronted with a debate with the president, actually has to call, has to phone a friend, and 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 call in the Washington Post. I mean, I mean, isn't isn't doesn't that tell you everything you need to know about the Democratic Party and and what it has going for it? That when you have a meeting with the president and your butts in a sling, the best thing you can do is try to grab on for dear life to what's reported in the Washington Post. Well, the Washington Post said, it's like, yeah, nice policy you got there. Nice research you have there, Chuck. You come in with a rolled up Washington Post as your as your big backup, as your big stay. I mean, it was, yeah, the Washington. And Trump's like, yeah, that was the Washington Post, Chucky. But again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to put, I can't put a finer point on this. You've got, you've got the two Heads of the Democratic Party, the, the great white hopes for the future of the Democratic Party in fighting Donald Trump. And the best Chuck Schumer has to offer is some four Pinocchios restaurant reference to uh, something Donald Trump said. He's got he's to call in his National Guard, which is the liberal left-wing news media. Pretty amazing. 
lot of Pinocchios because they say you constantly misstate how much the wall is built, how much of the wall is built, and how much is there. But that's not the point here. We have a disagreement about the wall, whether it's effective or not. Not on border security, <laughs> yeah. but on the wall. And it's funny because because President Trump here <laughs> uh, is talking about the Washington Post, and he's laughing, and he turns to Mike Pence, who's who's right next to him. And he's like, yeah, the Washington Post. Ha, ha, ha. It turns right over to Pence. And Pence, I don't know. I didn't see Pence's reaction. I'll have to check it out maybe in a wide shot. But it was. <laughs> and you should see, you should try to look at the uh, screen grab, if you can, of, uh, <laughs> of, of President Trump laughing while the ashen-faced Chuck Schumer is babbling about Regarding the Washington Post, I could look at this all day long, and I'm only 13 seconds into this baby. I've got there's a lot more here, but yeah, the Washington Post <laughs> to Mike Pence. Trump is so he he just he turns Chuck Schumer into his bitch in seconds flat here. It's amazing. I love it. Whether it's effective or not, not on border security, but on the wall. We do not want to shut down the government. You have called 20 times to shut down the government. You say, I want to shut down the government. We don't. We want to come to an agreement. If we can't come to an agreement, we have solutions that will pass the House and Senate right now and will not shut down the government. And that's what we're urging you to do. Not threaten to shut down the government because you, you let me just finish because you can't get your way. Let me say something, <laughs> Mr. President. And, and, and so, of course, Trump is reminding Schumer that, that, that remember the Schumer shutdown. I mean, rem- remember that, right? And, and, and they tried to do, and they, and they baited the Republicans into uh, being part of this. And, and it made the, uh, it, 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 they made the Republicans, because the Republicans are always going to be blamed during a shutdown for a government shutdown. They're always going to be blamed for it. And, and I, I don't care one way or the other. I mean, I, I, I don't buy into all the, you know, uh, all the hype about, oh, you can't, you, you can. The, 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 the federal government uh, is a beast that needs to be trained. And, and the politicians who keep on pulling the strings and holding on to the leash of the beast need to be trained as well. So I don't care one way or the other. And uh, Trisha, you said uh, that Pence looked like a robot. He did. He did, but he never looked. He always looks like a robot. No, no offense to Pence, but uh, but nonetheless, yeah. President Trump points out, yeah, the, the, you you're the one that shut it down. It didn't work for you because you can't get the your last way. Time you shut it down. You yeah, let me say something, Mr. President. You just say my way, or we'll shut down the government. We have a proposal that Democrats and Republicans will support to do a CR. That will not shut down the government. We urge you to take it. And if it's not good border security, I it won't take it. It is very good border security. And if it's yeah. not good border security, I won't take it. Yeah, good for him. Now, President Trump, keep in mind, you, you realize, is talking to you. He, he, he's talking to you. Chuck Schumer's talking to the Washington Post and the news media. Much much the way Chuck Schumer would have sauntered out down to the microphones at the bottom of the driveway and lied to you about what happened at the meeting. And President Trump wasn't going to have any of it and was going to put it all out there in full glory. 
because President Trump knew that it was a foregone conclusion that after a so-called closed-door meeting, the Democrats, Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, would lie like they've lied their entire lives and would lie about how the meeting went, and the rest of the day would be spent Trump denying the lies. He changes the game, much like he changed the electoral map to win the presidency of the United States. He changes the game here and how things are operated. I was listening to this. Actually, I didn't see it until I was able to get to a computer and and look at the video of it. But I was this was jaw dropping. This was amazing. This was the best this what this has never before been seen in history where you had this kind of debate between the higher ups uh in in the republican and democratic parties i've never seen anything like this and and this was great and it was so art of the deal it was so trumpian that it was perfect and of course the uh, liberal media hated it. The liberals hated it. And the never Trumpers really hated it. Because keep in mind, the never Trumpers and the Republicrats liked it the way it was before. Uh, they, they, they liked it when uh, they too could misinterpret and judge what happened behind closed doors. The, 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 the never Trump media and the National Review and the Weekly Standard guys, they liked it when their sources told them what happened in the closed-door meeting. You, you guys understand how this, this event pisses so many people off? And do you understand how President Trump knows it? Do you understand uh, well, you, you, well, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying to you is I'm not trying to talk down to you. I'm not, I, I know that you do understand it. I'm, I'm trying to be emphatic here and say that on all levels, this was a perfect event for President Trump to expose and, and, to, and to jump over what we have gotten used to for 30 years. Bunch of people who go behind closed doors, come out and lie about what happened. Or we have people, news media people, who use their sources. Do you know how many of these rep- Republicrat columnists and, and, and never Trump gadflies, do you know how much they hated this? Because much like the liberal media and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, who makes up their own stories and everything else, uh, the the other people always use their sources inside the White House. Sources inside the White House say during the closed meeting, President Trump did this and this and this. Well, you know what? Those sources aren't needed anymore, are they? Because we just saw what happened. So you could say all all you want about how sources said inside the White House, but we just saw what happened. We, we had a better seat than the so-called sources did. We saw everything that happened there, and you, and you couldn't launder it. You know, obviously, we all can interpret it and, and, and say what we think about it, but that was all right there. There was no editing. There was no, uh, says a high-level White House official, 
Because you know what? We saw the White House official, and he's sitting there in his long blue tie, aside from his awesome vice president, uh, telling us like it is and telling them like it is. We saw. That's your, that's your source right there. Donald J. Trump. It's fantastic. Media hates this, and I love that the media hates it. And anything the media likes, I hate. So, and, and anything they hate, I love. And I love this. With Nancy Pelosi. Well, thank you, Mr. President, for the opportunity to meet with you. Wait, wait, I, wait, really, please, turn off the, the, the cameras. They're taking a major poop right there in the, in the Oval Office. Nancy Pelosi's whizzing her pants because she knows he's like, uh oh, I have to talk in front of cameras now, and I'm sitting across from Donald Trump, and I've got to, you know, I've got to, I've got to, I, I can't lie about what happened behind closed doors. I love this. I can't love it anymore. So that we can work together in a bipartisan way uh, to meet the needs of the American people. I think the American people recognize that we must keep government open, that a shutdown is not worth anything. Yeah, you certainly knew what the American people wanted in November 2016, didn't you now, Nancy? Nice going. And that you should not have a Trump shutdown. Uh, you have the, oh, the oh, White what? House. Did you Trump, Trump shutdown. Oh. You have the White House. <laughs> this is where, so President Trump is sitting at this meeting, and, and he's he's basically holding court and 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 Mike Pence is uh is is sitting in his chair and Pence is sitting in a chair the way a uh fighter pilot sits in a chair when he's taking off and he's pulling multiple G's okay so Mike Pence couldn't be more stuck to that chair sitting there almost like he's in a brace brace movement and it's awesome because that's you know that's his deal and man he and 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 Pence is that kind of guy he sits up straight he's straight-faced he's stern and he's just kind of sitting there and it's 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 amazing so president trump has this tendency to when he's in a discussion with people and and it's kind of like a uh it's it's kind of like a a, a way of uh, disarming and controlling. You see, uh, P- President Trump uh, with the art of the deal and his whole personality and that and that Queens attitude uh, is uh, I'm talking about the borough Queens borough uh, attitude is is one in which you you have these conversations, but you have to know how to how to work the room and work the conversation, and so. President Trump is the president of the United States, and Nancy Pelosi is a minion and 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 maybe the future speaker. This might have sealed the deal for her. I think she was hoping that it would. But anyway, so he's sitting there, and when she – much like Chuck talked about the, the Washington Post, and President Trump uh, t- said the Washington Post and turned to Mike Pence and laughed. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a way of, of diminishing – Schumer right before his eyes. And he did the same thing with uh, Nancy Pelosi where she says something and then he says uh, – then he responds and then looks to Chuck Schumer. Let's, let's, let's do it again here. Listen to this. That we must keep government open, 
that a shutdown is not worth anything and that you should not have a Trump shutdown. Uh, you have the, the oh, White oh, House, Trump, Trump shutdown. Oh, oh. You have the White House. Go you have the <laughs> So, All right. So I, I don't know whether you heard that specifically, but so she used the term Trump shutdown. And, and I, I have to give Nancy Pelosi some props, uh, you know, for she didn't just sit there. You know, I mean, I, I gotta, you, you gotta give her points for that. She didn't just sit there and take it and do whatever. And, and she also uh, called it the Trump shutdown. And so uh, <laughs> President Trump is looking at her and he, and he's, he kind of winces and, and, and leans into her and he goes, I'm sorry, what'd you say again? Trump shutdown. So then he, uh, and then, then he, and she goes, Trump, then, then he turns to Chuck Schumer and says, that's going to cost her. <laughs> Unbelievable. This is so great. I can just look at this uh, all, all day long. This is, you know. That a shutdown is not worth anything and that you should not have a Trump shutdown. Uh, you have the, oh, the oh, White House. Did you, Trump Trump? Oh, oh. you have the White House. Go you have the Senate. <laughs> he turned to Chuck Schumer to say that. You have the House of Representatives. You have the votes. You should pass no, it. No, we don't right have now. the votes, Nancy, because in the Senate we need 60 votes. No, no, but in the House. And we don't you have could it. bring it up right now. Yeah, but today. I can't, excuse me, but I can't get it passed in the House if it's not going to pass in the Senate. I don't want to waste time. Well, you, well, the fact is you can get it started that way. The and House we can get passed very easily. Okay, and we do. do. But do the it. problem is the Senate. See, the, the, the problem here is that Nancy Pelosi thinks that she's just going to run her mouth incessantly as the cameras roll. And then later on, she'll probably call President Trump sexist or whatever else for uh, daring to uh, interrupt her or do whatever, what have you. But he's having a conversation with her, and that and that she does not like. I was planning on leaving the closed-door meeting and walking hand-in-hand hand with Chuck Schumer to the bank of microphones at the end of the driveway. <laughs> And tell everybody a lie about what happened in the background of the closed-door meeting. I didn't expect you sexist alpha male to interrupt me while I'm talking. I'm a woman. Yeah. Because we need 10 Democrats to vote, no, and no, that's they not won't the vote. Point, the point is, is that there are equities to be weighed. And we're here to have a conversation Correct. in a prayerful way. So I don't think we should have a debate. In, in, a, in a prayerful way. Uh, how is it that Nancy Pelosi constantly, I, when I heard this, when I was listening, I said, did Nancy Pelosi just say prayerful way? And by the way, uh, this is when. Wade. And we're here to have a conversation in a prayerful way. So I don't think we should have a debate in front of the press on this. But the fact is, the, Senate, the House Republicans could bring up... Pence, like, rolled his eyes the minute he heard that. That was the one time where you had, like, some kind of facial expression from Vice President Pence. And Nancy Pelosi, again, she did not like those cameras there. Because she knew that she couldn't control whatever the outcome of this meeting was. And she couldn't control the information. She couldn't lie to the news media about what went down. This was this was how this was their meeting. This was it. We're here to have a conversation in a prayerful way. So I don't think we should have a debate Correct. in front of the press 
on this. But the fact is, the, Senate, the House Republicans could bring up. By the way, why why not have a debate in front of the press on this? Why why do you think Nancy Pelosi doesn't believe that they should have a debate in front of the press on this? Now, keep in mind, is this the same Nancy Pelosi and is is this the same representative of the Democratic Party who talks about how uh, the, the press should be respected and and admired and. It's the fourth estate, right? And they play a they play a they play a pivotal role in our in 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 our they play a pivotal role in our democracy. You mean our republic? Yeah, republic. They they play how what a pivotal role the news media play. In fact, they think uh, right. To, uh, if I'm not mistaken, as I mentioned yesterday, the uh, time person of the year is none other than the journalists, right? The one journalist who was killed, Khashoggi, and the other ones. It's my understanding that the time person of the year is the basically journalists, right? And, and time goes on and on about how important the journalism journalists are and how, how important the role of the media is to shed light on what's happening and to force transparency and do all this kind of stuff. And there's Nancy Pelosi saying, we shouldn't have this meeting in front of the press. Like, like, they're, like they're an annoyance. I mean, I thought I've, been, I've, I've spent uh, – the, the past two years being told that President Trump is mean to the media and, and is a uh, destructor of the free press and the First Amendment. And to my knowledge, in my view, what I'm seeing right now is the ultimate transparency. I'm, I'm seeing President Trump opening up the Oval Office, opening up his door and having a meeting with the two most powerful representatives from the Democratic Party. You don't get much more transparent than that. You don't get much more uh, illumination than that. And so to me, the president, in this case, if, if, you look, if you're trying to compare the two uh, in terms of respect for the media, it seems to me the comments of Nancy Pelosi indicate she doesn't respect the media at all. She, she acts as if uh, them being in the room while they talk about a topic that is germane and important to national security, she acts like them being in the room is kind of like just a, 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 an annoyance. The point is, is that there are equities to be weighed, and we're here to have a conversation Correct. in a prayerful way. So I don't think we should have a debate in front of the press on this. But the fact is, the Senate, the House Republicans could. Yeah, the press is like, what are we, chop liver? You told us that we were an integral part of the uh, of this republic, didn't it? Didn't you? I know you didn't call it a republic, but didn't you say we were like the important people and President Trump is mean to us? I think, yeah. This bill, if they had the votes immediately and set the tone 
for what you want. If we thought we were going to get it passed in the Senate, Nancy, we would do it immediately. We'd get it passed very easily in the House. No, that's we not would get it, Nancy, I'd have it passed in two seconds. It doesn't matter, though, because we can't get it passed in the Senate because we need 10 Democrat votes. Well, that's the problem. Again, let us have our conversation, then we can meet with the press again. Yeah, so, again, she's she, this is Nancy Pelosi, again, the titular head of the Democratic Party, or at least in the, in, in the uh, in, in D.C., in the, in the halls of the Capitol. And, and twice she has indicated she doesn't want that annoying press around. Twice. And, and again, we're told up until now that President Trump is terrible towards the press. And, and, and every time President Trump uh, yells at a reporter, we've got to be reminded of the, some reporter killed in Bangladesh. Remember now what happened to that reporter in Bangladesh. A similar thing could happen here if, 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 if President Trump keeps talking to Jim Acosta that way. We're going to have journalists kidnapped and murdered all over the joint. We've got to be careful. He shall not be mean to the press. And yet there's Nancy Pelosi saying she doesn't think that the press ought to be around. When they're having these discussions, Nancy, I'd have it passed in two seconds. It doesn't matter, though, because we can't get it passed in the Senate because we need 10 Democrat votes. That's the problem. Again, let us have our conversation and then we can meet with the press again. But the fact is, is that uh, legislating, which is what. Let's have our conversation and we'll meet with the press again. She knows that. Uh, they're not going to have a com- they, they never come out of. It's never a situation where they come out of a meeting and then the. The they come out like President Trump comes out with Nancy Pelosi and makes a joint statement that never happens and that wouldn't happen. Nancy Pelosi wants what happens all the time to happen again, where she's able to dictate the outcome of a meeting by coming up and lying about what happened at the meeting. She doesn't want this. And, of course, it's weird because I think she thinks that somehow President Trump's going to go, oh, yeah, you're right, Nancy. Cameras, turn off. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want the cameras here. It's like, oh, it's it's actually too bad, although President Trump didn't want to get into it. It's too bad he didn't uh, didn't turn this into a, well, no, I like the press, Nancy. We lo- Don't you like the press? I thought you liked the press. You do. You begin, you make your, your point, you state your case. That's what the House Republicans could do if they had the votes. But there are no votes in the House, a majority of votes, for a wall, no matter where you exactly start. exactly right. You don't have if I the needed house. the votes for the wall in the House, I would have them mm-hmm. in. And, 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 and it's all about, you know, about, and what he wants to do is he wants to, uh, he wants to, Chuck Schumer eventually is, uh, is, is wanting to, uh, let's have this debate in private. Because, again, these guys don't want to have this debate. These guys don't want to talk in the way that they talk. We shouldn't they, shut down the they, – they, Because the people of this country don't want criminal – I disagree. I am proud to – I, I lost – I lost my uh, – If we don't get my, what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call – 
I will shut down the government. Okay. Yeah, and, and he'll be proud too. Anyway, let me get let me get back well, to my tape. Is it my my, my thing uh, regenerated here? Hang on. Passed to the Senate go. because we need ten Democrat votes. Well, That's good. Again, let us have our conversation. Then That's we can right. meet with the press again. But the fact yeah. is, is that uh, legislating, which is what we do, right. you begin, you make your your point, you state your case. That's what the House Republicans could do if they had the votes. But there are no votes in the House, a majority of votes, for a wall, no matter where That's you exactly start. exactly right. You don't have if I needed house. the votes for the wall in the House, I would have them mm-hmm. in... Gosh darn it. I don't know why this is doing this. Hang on. Sorry. My, 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 uh, my websites are uh, regenerating for some reason. Hold on. The government for border security, Chuck, because the people... Of King one. I'm having trouble with my internet here. It just keeps on... Uh, Re, uh, regenerating. That's how it goes. Sorry about well, that. Thank you, Mr. Yeah, here. Mr. President, for the opportunity to meet with you uh, so that we can work. Again, let us have our conversation and then That's we can right. meet with the press again. But the fact is, is that uh, legislating, which is what we do, right. you begin, you make your, your point, you state your case. That's what the House Republicans could do if they had the votes. But there are no votes in the House, a majority of votes, for a wall. No matter where you exactly start. right. You don't have if to I the needed house. the votes for the wall in the house, I would have them mm-hmm. in. Gosh, oh, I, I, I think that's where I think that's just where where whatever is happening, it's happening right there, and it keeps on tripping me up. Anyway, uh, Chuck Schumer finally uh, begs so and says, "Please, let's let's have the let's have the debate in private." These two were completely gamed yesterday. It was a sight to behold. It is amazing. I encourage you to watch the entire tape and to watch how President Trump essentially owns the room and owns Schumer and owns Pelosi and speaks to you as opposed to allowing Schumer and Pelosi to lie to the media and launder the outcome of this meeting through the media. And boy, did it piss everybody off. And there's more where this comes from. Because you had all the never-Trumpers going crazy. And, and they didn't like this at all. They hate it. Like, it's why they tell President Trump not to tweet. Uh, they, they, they don't want President Trump to be able to speak his own language and to tweet things out. Because they, they, they want to control the message. They, they want to be able to tell you what the president is thinking, and the president will always be in a situation where, uh, where, where he's got to deny everything. Well, this time President Trump said, you know what? I'm going to tell the story my way, and it's going to be in, out in front of everybody. And it's the same thing that we you know the whole Rex Tillerson thing. Like, you know, uh, Rex um, Tillerson uh, spoke – over the weekend and had some talking about President Trump and his tweets and that kind of thing. And, of course, Tillerson didn't like the fact that Tillerson wasn't the one who constantly spoke on State Department policy and everything else. President Trump spoke a lot and talked about Tillerson a lot. And and, and you can can, – you can debate all day you want uh, for uh, – and thanks, Terrell Lynn, for putting that clip on the RFA uh, fan group. Appreciate that. Uh, so you can see the whole clip there. Uh, uh, but but Tillerson didn't want that. He wanted to kind of be in control, and he wanted the, the president to shut up because Tillerson really is kind of a, a swamp guy. But uh, Trump handled this meeting the way those of us who voted for him expected him to handle the meeting. And, you know, to tell you the truth – even though it was a big surprise to me 
when when he did this, and I, I was shocked. I mean, let's put it this way. I love it when President Trump goes off the grid and does all this kind of stuff, but even this surprised me. I thought this was ballsy as hell and much needed and very, very welcome. Loved it. So he uh, kind of uh, we concluded. We don't talk about that, but uh, we might as well start because it's uh, building. It's being built right now, big sections of wall, and we will continue that. And uh, one way or the other, it's going to get built. I'd like not to see uh, a government uh, closing, a shutdown. Uh, we will see what happens over the next short period of time. But the wall is a very important thing to us. Uh, I might put it a different way. Border security is extremely important. And uh, we have to take care of border security. When you look at what happened with the caravans, with the people, with a lot of we shut it down. We had no choice. We shut it down. Uh, but uh, it could be a lot easier if we had real border security. I, I just want to pay my respects to the Border Patrol agents and officers. They've been incredible. The ICE agents and officers, they've been incredible. And very importantly, our military. Our military went in and they did an incredible job. Uh, they have been really, really spectacular. And John, you, I know you saw uh, the way the Post reported it, um, and, and um, it, it was it was really though I, I didn't I didn't really agree that it's necessarily a waste of his time. I thought it was great for him to do this and finally shine the light on how uh, these individuals operate. And and, and so. How do you think, by the way, and Jim Tallon is going to join us at 7.30, and we're going to talk uh, more about a few things, but there are a lot of developments still outside of all this. You have, um, basically, you have Beto O'Rourke, who seems to be the front runner uh, to lead the Democratic Party. So we're going to have a uh, report on a, uh, and a, on a, uh, on an outcome of a straw poll that you're going to find interesting. We have uh, a report on the scientific reason you want to squeeze the faces of puppies. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we also have a report. uh, It's a study of James Bond movies. Can you believe that? And these guys came to the conclusion that uh, James Bond is a problem drinker. It's like, really? This is what you spent your time doing is uh, pouring over James Bond movies? And you came to the conclusion that James Bond is a problem drinker. And Margaret, you'll like this, or maybe you won't, that the Walmart people have, they're testing a robot fry cook named Flippy at all the, at all the delis it has. And it's in the early stages of, of testing a kitchen robot assistant named Flippy, and this is in uh, the uh, Bentonville, Arkansas headquarters. And and Flippy is uh, the autonomous robot kitchen assistant uh, powered by artificial intelligence. And essentially what it's doing is it's handling the frying of French fries and everything else. And they're frying up chicken tenders and tater tots and all those kinds of things. Flippy, by the way, was originally debuting at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. And, and, and they, they utilized this thing to fry up 
kitchen uh, chicken tenders and tater tots throughout the World Series, Flippy churned out 17,000 pounds worth of fried foods. It was able to fry up eight baskets of food simultaneously. So uh, at, at, at Walmart, uh, Flippy basically automates the frying process of a lot of the items served in the Walmart deli. So they include chicken tenders, mozzarella sticks, and potato wedges. But but it's but it but it's frying up eight baskets of food simultaneously at, at, at Dodger Stadium a while back and churned out seventeen thousand pounds worth of fried foods. And you know what? Flippy never calls in sick. Flippy only costs Walmart what I guess the cost of the electricity and the actual robotics costs. And Flippy will never be standing outside of Walmart or any place demanding an increase in the minimum wage. So if 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 people are yeah, Jimmy Haney at once, eight baskets of food simultaneously at once. So, uh, again, if people have a problem with Flippy, you need only turn to the people who have constantly harassed companies uh, through their government or through their unions or whatever happens to be their service unions. Uh, it's This is their fault. This is this is what happens when you don't know what's going to happen month to month, year to year, with your employees, and you and you can't rely on them. This is, in my opinion, just a uh, just a just a crass uh, bottom line thing for Walmart. Although uh, you know companies do do that, where robotics do add to that. But but the fact of the matter is, uh, if if people have a problem with this, this is clearly just a reaction to the pressures that companies are under to continually do more and more and more, uh, and 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 have a uh, and and demand more and more and more, demand more of this, demand more health care, demand more benefits, demand more wages. Demand more vacation. Call in sick. Grandma's car wouldn't start, so I couldn't make it to work today. All that mother jazz is out the window. And again, I'm not I'm not picking out Walmart here. I mean, like for instance, Margaret works at Walmart, and she's uh, and she's a good employee, and she's a she's a dedicated employee there. What I'm saying is, uh, this is a reaction. It's it's kind of like what McDonald's is doing with the kiosks. I mean, how how much how much are you going to are you going to tolerate if you're a McDonald's franchise owner or if you're a McDonald's owner? How 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 exactly how much are you going to tolerate your own employees standing outside your restaurant with signs calling you greedy and 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 telling you that uh, you need to increase their minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour? 
I mean, how long before you say, um, you know what? This isn't going to work. We're going to, uh, we're going to get some robots in here who can make burgers and things like that. And we're going to go ahead and cut to the chase here and do, uh, this on our own because, because again, I, I wouldn't tolerate it for a second if I'm McDonald's. Hey, is that you, Billy? Uh, you work here, right? Yes, I do. Why are you standing outside your place of work protesting your place of work? Because I'm with the we're, – we're $15 we want $15 an hour, and the, the organization for the movement of people have me out here. I'm like, oh, well, um, you're fired. I mean, honestly, how much how much are these restaurants and these businesses going to put up with these ingrates who continually stand outside their places and 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 demand more and everything else? So this is um, it's what you get, you know. This is what you get. You get kiosks and you get flippy. And now keep in mind, for every deli worker that Flippy might put out of work, and I would have sympathy for that, but I only I, – I, I think these deli workers and the other people, if you have an issue with it, blame blame the, the, the activists. Don't blame Walmart. They're just reacting to it. But let's put it this way. If you, uh, if you own a business or run a business or have a degree in robotics from Rolla, this is really good news for you. Because uh, more and more people are going to start using your flippies and, and, and your robots. That's all. That's all. Now, some of you uh, have said, well, you know, I try to help as much as I can. Like, for instance, I don't do the uh, self-checkout. I don't do that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I, st- I still like that. I still like that contact. Self-checkout is uh, is, uh, yeah, is is great sometimes. Although there was a time when I would go and, um, you know, after a while, it's like, okay, uh, remember, remember the whole paper and plastic craze? And, and, and if you, uh, asked for paper, somehow you were, uh, a terrible person from the, uh, and, and, and against the environment. Remember, uh, you, you would, you would, you, you would get, you have the, the checker would look askance at you. Paper or plastic? I'll take paper, please. The more dead trees, the better. Thank you. I want to see the smokestacks created by the paper. No, I mean, and and uh, no paper, please. Really? Yeah, I want paper. But that's gone now. Now it turns out that the plastic bags are probably more uh, energy consuming than than a paper bag. And, and, and I love paper, but the plastic bags never stay. You know. Anyway, I had one one person who. Uh, was so slow and would talk to me and I don't mind having conversations, but I really don't want to talk about every single item I'm buying. Is that good? Yeah, it's delicious. Huh? What's in it? And they pick it up and start looking at the label. I'm going, lady, um, please stop reading the ingredients on the can of beans I just purchased here and, and put them in the, and put, slide them down that conveyor and get, get me out of here. 
But I do like I do like having conversations with people, but uh, sometimes I don't I don't really have to yeah you know that many conversations with people. I got a rice cooking in the microwave. Got a three day beard. I don't plan to shave, and it's a goofy thing, but I just gotta say, hey, I'm a doing all right. We are live from the yeah, I think I'll make me some Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you so much to the sponsors, Lovin', Michael Proctor, Proctor Drapery. Proctor spelled like doctor, proctordrapery.com. He is the procurer. He is the interior designer. He's a great guy and love that man. Proctor spelled like doctor, proctordrapery.com. And also don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, about uh, Matthew Mitchell, the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. Low premiums and low deductibles all at the same time, people. Come on. Matthew, a big uh, supporter of the show. Love that man. Also, don't forget about Nutrition HQ. NHQ.rocks. Right there in beautiful Rock Hill, Manchester McKnight. All that you need to make yourself better. Yeah. It's a great day to be alive. I know the sun's still shining when I close my eyes. That old Travis. Loving this man. Let me see if I can uh, get a hold of old Jimmy Talon. I always forget his damn number. Why is that? Let me see. Good morning this morning, everybody. Good morning, uh, Jim Talon. I hope he remembers. Good morning, good morning. Ooh, do, do, do. Damn it, did they pick me off? Okay. All right, let me find him. I think he's, a, I think he's the 795 number. Hold on. Golly. Sorry about this, people. Sorry you have to listen to a little more uh, Travis, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, there he is. Okay. Got him. Jimmy Talon, Jimmy Talon. Jimmy Talon. Jimmy Talon. Jimmy Talon. Good morning, Jim Talon. How are you, my friend? What's going on? Well, I was just reading about uh, Theresa May's no confidence vote coming up today. Yes. In, uh, in Great Britain. Um, yeah, Europe is having some real uh, issues. And you know what? I, I Yesterday, uh, I my analysis of the uh, situation in France, for instance, Jim, uh, I mentioned that, uh, in my opinion, it appeared uh, that, that we kind of had our little yellow jacket protest uh, back in November of 2016. Uh, much like the people in France who finally had kind of enough of uh, the middle class being squeezed in the middle. For instance, when Macron decided he was going to go ahead and try to uh, live out his unicorn dream of getting off of fossil fuels and increasing the liter of gas by 25 euros or what sense, I mean, sense, I mean, um, the, the, the people who could least afford it were the people in the middle, uh, the 70% of the French who actually drive to work every day. Uh, the rich French didn't have to bother with the 
they didn't worry about the 25 cents. And the poor French, mostly migrants from North Africa, had basically everything paid for them by the government. So you had a bunch of people in the middle of the, of the class who felt left out by these policies that were enacted by the do-gooders. And so they, are, they were revolting. And, and I think to a smaller extent, or maybe to a larger extent, Americans had a similar reaction to uh, governmental policies in November of 2016 when they elected President Trump and decided they had had enough of regulation, taxation, of, uh, of intervention in any foreign war you could possibly come up with. And so uh, in the end, uh, they revolted at the ballot box. These guys were out at the Louvre and the Arc de Triomphe and everything else. Uh, we went to the ballot box. Do you think that that's a semi-accurate way to look at it? Well, I, I think that there is a sense across the Western democratic world. I mean, the answer is yes. I think there's a lot of truth in that, Jamie. I should answer the question before explaining my answer. Uh, I, I think there is a sense across the Western democratic world, Europe and the United States, uh, we may see this in Australia as well, um, that the what some call the elites and I call the influencers, you know, the people who who sit in positions where they have a, a lot of authority culturally, you know, to sort of shape the direction the culture is going, that those people have failed at every level, that they're ignorant and incompetent, and that not only have they failed, but that it is hurting. Their failure is hurting people in real ways. Okay. Now I should add, if you're going to talk about France, uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't condemn more strongly the outbreaks of violence. And I'm not just saying this. I've written yeah. columns about this. Yeah. You know, you don't go burn cars or, or, or break into businesses and the rest of it. Okay. I, I do think you're correct though, that, that these policies that deliberately drive up the cost of energy hurt people. And, uh, Jamie, I think they hurt, hurt middle class and poor people, you know, almost regardless of whether, you know, the poor is, are getting assistance because energy it's, it increases in cost of energy are, it's a tremendously regressive thing, right? I don't, you know, when gas prices go up, it doesn't bother me. I can right. still go fill up my gas tank. Right. But there are a lot of people uh, who that makes a big difference for them. And this just this just sort of, oh, well, you can afford to pay it. We have to do it in order to reduce the amount of carbon in the air when their own estimations show, even if they're correct about the problem, that this is going to have zero impact. It, it is very much a let them eat cake kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's OK. You can figure it out somehow. And, and people in a democracy expect their interests are going to be represented, right, Jamie? So I could get worked up about this. I think you're right about the underlying issue. And I think there was uh, a, no question an expression of that in 2016. And indeed, we're going to see it in our elections going forward until the cultural leaders decide that maybe they may not, might not be right about everything and maybe they ought to listen to what people are saying to them. Yeah, and it's funny how it was interesting how, you know, everybody was talking about how when President Trump was elected, it was some kind of uh, 
accident that it was uh, obviously there obviously there's been some kind of mistake and yet actually what we're seeing even as it trails across Europe and what you started out the conversation with regarding Brexit and and the Theresa May vote uh, this is uh, this seems to be uh, something of a an epidemic uh, that is that is crossing all throughout the world at least let's put it this way the West and Western Europe. So it, I, I, it, it seems to me it's no accident that you had what's going on in Europe and you have some of these semi-revolts and you have the, the Brexit to begin with. Uh, it seems to me to be uh, there's, a, there's something in the water uh, in the West uh, that is turning on uh, government conventions. Yeah, and I, I really think it's this. It's a sense that these influencers or elites it's just in a number of ways. They're they're obsessed by issues that don't matter to people, or they take positions that seem to make no common sense to people. Uh, they think that they know everything, <laughs> uh, ignorant and bigoted, and uh, that's a pretty off-putting combination, Jamie. Uh, I just I think it's time for that group of people to step back and say, and of course it's not just one group. I mean, it's a bunch of groups put together. I mean, of, of the influencers, but to step back and say, look, what are we doing wrong? Are we doing something wrong anyway? Um, and I, but I think the other problem is that they do live in bubbles. I mean, I, I remember, um, Years ago, and I, I think it was Maureen Dowd, but I, I, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it wasn't. But but one East Coast writer said, I, after 1972, she says, I don't know anybody who voted for Richard Nixon. And she was serious. <laughs> yeah. And he got 60% of the vote of the country. Now, that should tell you something. If If I didn't, you know, if you don't know anybody who voted, for Richard Nixon, or if you don't know anybody who voted for Donald Trump, even if he'd lost the election by a narrow margin in the Electoral College instead of winning it, you you would need to ask yourself, am I out of touch with what a whole lot of people are thinking? But they don't ask themselves that question. Yeah, and those right. that do tend to get stifled by the others. Um, and I think that's a big problem. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're seeing this, and it, there is a lot of underlying what's going on in France. Macron thinks he knows everything, and he's moving unerringly to do this, and and not worried about, or, or seemingly not worried about the implications for the average person who's living paycheck to paycheck and can't just afford to pay more and more every, you know, every week for for gasoline or diesel. Yeah. You know, and another thing about this, Jamie, is, is it was the policy of the Europeans to push everybody towards diesel years ago because they thought it was less of a pollutant than gasoline. Now they're turning around saying you're a criminal because you use diesel. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and, and this happens all the time. I mean, you know, they switch policies in midstream, never admit that they were wrong. And and the average person gets the short end of the stick both times. Right. Yeah. When they, when they adopted the policy and then when they changed it. And then on top of this, every one of these countries has, for example, structural debt problems, which raise a serious risk that at some point they're going to go bankrupt. And the elites don't do anything about that, which is, of course, a huge issue. And it's their responsibility. You run a government, 
it's your responsibility to run it in such a way that you don't bankrupt your own people, right? Right. And they don't even take those issues on. So they're not doing the things they should do. We're not, you know, immigration enforcement is another example. I mean, you know, there are laws that are supposed to be enforced, and the government seems unable to do that. So, yeah, I mean, we could, there's a reason for this populist impulse that's going on. That's not to say that everything it, it, if there isn't it, everything that's being proposed as a way of changing things is the right thing. But that impulse needs to be acknowledged and the concerns need to be addressed. Yeah, well, interesting because because I I, uh, I, I will have to tell you just a quick uh, fuel story and then we'll move on to, to, to the bigger issues. I, so I'm, I'm in, in Illinois once. I can't remember where I was. It was uh, it was over in um, like Effingham or somewhere in that kind of area off of fifty five seventy, and and I was going to Chicago or something, and I pulled into a place to get some gasoline, and I had my Buick LaCrosse at the time, and there was a uh, there was a dispenser for racing fuel. It had it had like uh, it was like a hundred and ten octane or so a hundred and yeah. 10 octane and i was like i want to put that in my car i was thinking about i was thinking about filling up i was wondering if that wonder if they were going to let me put racing fuel in my i don't think you can but i had kind of like a, in my in the back of my mind i was thinking what the, what, what how awesome would it be to put racing fuel in my buick lacrosse but i don't think that, i don't think it's good for I, I, I the engine your engine I doubt your engine could burn it efficiently, though. What do you think? No, it, it, because what happened is this is this is another example of why uh, I should have listened to my dad when I bought my first lawnmower, and I went to like Home Depot and bought one of these cheapo Murray lawnmowers for ninety nine dollars, and so I bought that lawnmower, and uh, I had the wise idea once of um, of putting. I lived across from a gas station, so I just wheel that thing over there and fill it up. And I one time thought, well, you know what? I wonder what premium gas would do in oh. this lawnmower, you know, like if I had like 99, maybe it would make it go faster or whatever. And I'll be darned if I didn't put that thing in there and I blew that engine eventually. And so I wound up yeah. buying a $300 Toro, just like my dad had. And that was how it all worked out. So anyway. So. Well, Jamie, you know, beginning years ago, I increasingly just instinctively adapted to the view of the father in stories like that. So yeah, I I've told I get it older. I mean, when people talk to me today, I kind of always tend to approach it more as, you know, what, what would I say to that person if I was their dad? <laughs> yeah. I remember when the Colin Kaepernick stuff first broke, I thought because my son was a football player and was pretty good in high school. Yeah. I remember thinking, what would I say if, if he was my son? What would I, I pull them aside and say, and you know, that's not a bad approach to ask yourself. I think it would, it would improve the discourse and probably produce some better ideas. If we all said to ourselves, what, what would we say, or what will we do on this? If we, if, if the people involved in it were people we really cared about. Oh, right. Yeah. How, how would we approach it? Right. How, how would we approach all these issues? If Emmanuel Macron ever said, you know, if these people out there who were coming up short every week because energy costs were going up, if I really cared about, if, if they were my little brother, how would I approach this issue? Might produce a little different result, wouldn't it? 
Well, I think that was the attraction uh, to President Trump originally, as as a lot of Americans felt like even as rich and you know uh, uh, apprenticey and everything else that he was, there was a sense on the campaign trail that he was a real guy, that he actually seemed to have a level of empathy uh, for the regular American person. Uh, and it, I think it was kind of Reagan-esque in that sense. Ronald Reagan had that. I played a clip from him when he was on Johnny Carson uh, before he was elected president. And, and uh, man, did that guy speak, you know, he was kind of a little Calvin Coolidge about our federal government. And, and, and it was really uh, pretty amazing. But I, I think people sensed that, President Trump was a guy who understood the struggles of regular Americans, business owners, and those kinds of individuals. And uh, I, I, I found I, – I think that was, that was it. I think that he found the well, key. In, 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 in particular, a group of people <clears throat> who had lost jobs in manufacturing. And this is another area where uh, Washington just didn't see something it should have seen. Now, I was worried for years about what was happening to American manufacturing. Uh, one of the reasons I, I pushed, one of the reasons, or the, uh, I pushed so hard for an adequate defense budget. I used to say all the time, <clears throat> you want to do something for manufacturing, uh, robustly support the armed forces. Because, you know, where do we buy the fighter planes and the tanks and all that from? We buy it from the American industrial base. But, but the point isn't what one particular issue, and I'm not saying that you buy things you don't need for those reasons, but you buy things you do need, and it has that really wonderful impact of supporting good manufacturing jobs. point is there was never, there was never a consistent agenda in Washington to try and support American manufacturing. And there was a trade policy, which whatever you think of it, in terms of its impact on the, on the GDP nationally, it was unbalanced. The losers every time were American manufacturing, generally speaking. And right. I think Trump realized that and articulated that. And I think people responded to it. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, to a certain degree, it was kind of like it, you, you got to the point where you had, for instance, uh, President Obama when he talked about the uh, electricity rates necessarily skyrocketing, and, and I was like, boy, that really, that really shows a real detachment from what normal people are thinking because you'd never really say that to a normal average everyday American with, without blinking uh, when you say that, yeah, well, they, these rates are going to necessarily skyrocket. That's right. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's not good news. So, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and Jamie, you can, if you go back and look at this, okay, there is a very direct connection between access to reliable and affordable energy and really basic indexes of quality of life. You know, it was when, it was when people got electricity and the systems that it runs that things like infant mortality started going down. Here you have access to water, right? I mean, some very basic stuff. And when you price energy out of the reach or you really stress people in order to get the one bill, you got to pay your utility bill, right? Right. And, 
just the, the 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 lack of empathy or understanding for for what this would mean. Now, I am skeptical of these extravagant claims about climate change anyway, okay? And I read a lot in this area. <laughs> One of the problems is that when you get any discussion or you read any real debate about it, it gets so quickly into very heavy you know, physics and scientific stuff that it's hard for a layperson. But I'm skeptical about it anyway. But to whatever you think of that, you know, pursue solutions that impose these higher energy costs on people uh, without recognizing what it does, not just to them, but also to the broader economy, because it's it's very bad for the economy when energy spikes, right, for any long period of time. And there's an insensitivity to it. And then to tell people who are upset by it, you know what, you, you're you're morally blind because you don't see the importance of doing this, you know, to jet halfway around the world to a conference where you're going you know, to talk about how people ought to pay more for energy and how their use, their use of energy is ruining the world. Right. And they don't see the incongruity of that. That's what is I, I, a lot of what's underpinning this. Yes. Uh, all right. So on to what you uh, began with to begin with, uh, that is our, uh, our conversation. So uh, Teresa may, I, I guess she she's tried to um, delay this, but now there's going to be this uh, potential. Uh, looks like it's thousands years. Looks like it's. A, sorry about that. What is this thing doing here? Hold on. Incredible. That's the first time I've ever seen that. Hold on. Phenomenal. Sorry about that, Jimmy. I uh, I know I know I I just it's just one of these automatic player on the video and I'm I'm, I'm looking at this story regarding uh, Theresa May and the no confidence vote and so uh, the conservative party these guys have all said you know we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and uh, and 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 take a no confidence vote on this this is all over the Brexit thing what exactly is happening here and and how does this manifest itself regarding our relationship with Britain and the European Union etc. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, okay, so as I understand it, Jamie, and I'm not an expert on British parliamentary procedure, but uh, according to the rules of the Conservative Party, and she is a conservative, uh, if a if a prime minister, if if 48 members, conservative members of parliament, send a letter requesting a vote of no confidence on their prime minister. They have to hold that vote. And what she has to do is, in order to stay as prime minister, or to stay as the leader of the conservative party, and therefore as the prime minister, she has to win a majority of the conservative members of parliament in that vote. There's about 300 of them. So she has to get 50% plus one, or then she has to resign as prime minister, and they will elect a new one from within the conservative party. Now that new person has to have the support of a majority of the, of the, of the broader house of commons, but that's, what's at stake here. And the, and the reason is because by any standard, and I don't like to criticize foreign leaders, I don't know what they're dealing with. And it's, it is very hard, but she's really messed this thing up. And I, and I've said from, from the beginning, Jamie, that, you know, that they voted to leave, which I thought was a very courageous vote. Yeah. I mean, it's none of my business. I didn't have a vote, but I would have voted to leave. So 
Uh, so they vote to leave. Everybody says in all the parties, the British people have decided we have to do it. Right. So everybody says we're going to do this. And in order to leave, uh, the ideal situation would be to negotiate a cooperative solution with the European Union, because there are technical issues with leaving and that are significant. Right. And I won't get into them all, but because and partly because I don't understand them all, but I won't get into it. Well, when you're going to negotiate, and the European Union was very angry about this, and they're very arrogant, and they don't want Britain to leave, uh, also because they don't want other countries. They don't want to set a precedent. So you knew they were not going to negotiate in good faith, right? I mean, this is not, this is not rocket science. You knew that the EU was going to ne- try and negotiate a really, really tough deal to screw this up for the Brits. Now, when you go into a negotiation with a party the the leverage belongs to the side that doesn't that, that is prepared to go without a deal. This is something Trump would understand. You're negotiating with somebody, you have to be able to walk away from the table. If they think you can't walk away from the table, you have to have a deal. They're going to press your nose up against the wall on every issue. That is negotiations 101, mm-hmm. right? So from the beginning it, it was screaming out. It was screamingly obvious that the British needed to be preparing a plan to leave without a deal. And, and the leader needed to say, look, we would rather have a deal, but we'll be fine if we don't get one. And then that you needed to do things to get that idea across and you need to do solid preparation. I mean, it gets basic stuff because if you don't do that, they're not going to give you, anything like an acceptable deal. They want it to flounder, right? Yeah. She never did that. Yeah. They don't have a backup plan. And the deadline is like the end of next March. And so she goes over to the EU and they keep stepping on her and they give her this terrible deal, which is almost worse from every perspective than staying in. They're going to pay all this extra money. They're going to effectively be in the EU. This is how it looks. And they don't, and they don't have any, uh, and, and now they don't even have any right to try and influence what the EU does because technically they're out of it. So people are very upset. Now, this is all very hard, and I don't know everything. I, you know, I could be wrong, but that's how it looks like to me. So we'll see if she stays in, in power or not. Now, she may have a majority of the, of the conservative members of parliament that are willing to leave her in because they don't know what other alternative there is. So we'll see what, this, what happens with this vote. Yeah, because I mean, it's a bad situation. I mean, I, I would be very confident of Britain's ability to function outside the EU. I mean, the, we're, the United States isn't in the EU, are we? We trade with Europe. We have a relationship with Europe. It's not the end of the world. I mean, yeah, right. You know, for most of its history, Britain was not in the European Union. Did okay. Right. Yeah. I don't. The the the, the I don't get it. Yeah, the the European Union. I don't know. I. You know, I I tend to think that uh, this is this is more of a broader discussion, but I think one that people I think can understand. A lot of us don't understand all the mechanisms of Brexit and the European Union these deals. But I will tell you that, for instance, um, one of the things about the European Union I think that has been harmful to uh, to Europe itself and, and these countries is they they tended to kind of lose their own individual identities. 
which which made them what they are and what you would assume would be critical uh, to their success. And I, and I, I tend to think when you suddenly become all one thing, uh, you, you, you lose your strength as separate things. So, for instance, I, although I would, I would say, well, that doesn't really apply to the United States. Well, it kind of does because um, uh, the beauty of this country, which I think is, is fascinating – is that every state really has such uniquity. There's so many different ways that states approach different things. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, how, how each state counts ballots or, or all these kinds of things. And I think that's the beauty of the country. Uh, and, and, and actually it was the intent of the founding fathers to keep that federalist model separate because they found strength, uh, not only in the in the United States, but in the, in maintaining the individuality of those states and states' rights. So that was important. So I go to Europe over the over the summer, and I'm in Italy. And one of the saddest things to see, and, and it might be because I happen to be a um, I happen to be a stamp and coin collector, come into my um, mahogany walled room, and I'll show you my stamps and coins, Jim Talent. Mm. Uh, but no, I um, I happen to be. I've a, often said you're a Renaissance man. I, I you I, have a wide I, range of interests. Yeah. Uh, well, I've I've always been, and I've been an ever since I was a little kid. And part of it was because my grandparents turned me, and they were European travelers, and I got all kinds of great, beautiful stamps and things and that from them. But I was also, I'm also an avid, like, uh, U.S. coin collector and everything else. But anyway, uh, one of the things about coinage and stampage uh, that, that is really uh, an amazing thing and so beautiful about things is, is, is um, you know, like, for instance, one of, one of the most beautiful stamps you're going to find anywhere would be uh, in countries like uh, Grenada or uh, Trinidad and Tobago or other places because they, their identities, uh, often, oftentimes stamps and coins are a way for these countries to kind of extend and, 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 and I, uh, show their identities to people, their individual identities. And so stamps and coins were always kind of that way of people expressing um, pride in their country and elements of their country that are so uh, beautiful and important and people who are beautiful and important to them. So uh, one of the most depressing things about going to Italy was to see how um, – there was no longer Italian money. It was uh, just the euro. You, 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 you. They, they, they didn't even. And, and that was actually a couple people. Even one of the cab drivers complained to to us about how um, they said we don't even have our money anymore. At least we have, you know, our identity. Unlike some of the other European countries. And my position is that if you use, lose that cultural identity and individuality, that paves the way uh, for people to take over. Uh, to me, in my opinion, like for instance, the first thing that happened uh, when Germany and France, in my opinion, decided to go more secular, when in Germany people stopped going to church and they were so ashamed of their past cultural identity from World War II that they decided to erase any elements of nationalism, uh, they wound up being invaded by migrants. And and fundamentalist Islam and everything else and and there's it's no wonder that Germany and France are being besieged by uh, ISIS attacks and things like that and and so to me uh, the European Union is is not a good thing in terms of uh, allowing countries to maintain their identities. I'm sorry, it's a long way to go for that, but 
nonetheless. Well, no, it's a very intriguing subject, and they, you know, they're having these conversations. Although, again, the influencers are not very open about having this conversation. They had to in Britain because they had a referendum about it. I watched a lot of those debates. Thought they were very interesting. Jamie, I would say that, and, and I think this has been American policy towards the EU from the beginning, that um, it's a good thing that the Europeans want to work together, <clears throat> that they're aware of the national rivalries on the continent that have caused conflict in the past, that they want um, more co- they want more commonality in terms of trade and rules and regulations, uh, because that, that will make... Um, that it introduces efficiencies that that make prosperity for everybody more likely. I mean, there are good things about that project. There are several huge problems which they don't acknowledge very well. One of them is when they all decided to have the common currency, which is what you were talking about. Well, part of the problem with that is that there are very different. They're, they're in very different economic situations. You're talking about Germany versus Italy or Greece. You know, you're talking about the northern countries versus the southern countries. And when you have a common currency, what it means is that in places like Italy and Greece and Spain, the currency is tremendously overvalued. Okay, because their economy isn't as strong as the German economy. And when you're when you're forced to deal with a currency that's overvalued. It makes it very difficult to export your products, and uh, so you 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 tend to, you you end up sort of being a captured market for in this case the Germans. And a lot of people have written about this that really what the EU's done is allowed the Germans to dominate. They finally won in the end. In other words, what people are saying they dominate the continent economically. Now that's oversimplistic. But there's a lot of truth in it. And when you get into a debt situation like Greece is in, for example, one of the ways a rational government would deal with a massive debt like that is to gradually inflate their way out of it. You don't want to do that too quickly. But the Greeks can't do that because they don't have control over their own currency. Neither can the Italians. And it causes tremendous, tremendous frustration among people there. And the, Europe, the, the EU can be very autocratic. It keeps telling these countries, you've got to raise your tax, you've got to eliminate your deficit, so you've got to raise your taxes, and you've got to cut your spending. Well, that may be a decent policy, but people don't like to have that stuff dictated to them. Then you throw on top of that what Merkel did with the migrants, which was one of the most you know, unbelievably irresponsible things, which they have all now gone back on and reversed. You're letting in millions of people. You have a very risky security situation, and you're going to end up with a whole lot of crime. And 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 there was no preparation for assimilating. I, I just I still am astounded that this was done, and it was in violation, by the way, of existing EU rules because they allowed people to travel through countries. You know, if you were a refugee, you were supposed to go to the first place, as I understand it, the first country that you came to. And that was the EU rule. And, and again, all of this was done with a kind of insufferable arrogance. Like, if you don't understand this, it's just, and, and you disagree with this, or you have questions or concerns, it's just because you're heartless or stupid. <laughs> right, right. You know, and instead of engaging with people on what their real concerns were. 
Right. I know, we, you know, we're both sort of venting to each other a little bit. But one of the things I learned early on in politics is that, you know, people come up to you and, and, they, and they're critical or passionate about what they think or they have some real concern. You need to make an effort to understand where they're coming from. You know, you need to and you need to be willing to say to yourself, you know what, I may not be entirely right about this. Yeah, you can't represent them otherwise. Right. Well, you have an attitude of service towards them, right? Yeah. And that's that's missing in a lot of these places. These are supposed to be public servants. Yeah. They're not attacking anybody in particular. You know, I was I criticized May before, Prime Minister May before. You know, I'm not in her shoes and it's really difficult with a thin parliamentary majority to do this. And I'm not saying she doesn't have that attitude. Uh, but there are a lot of people in the EU project who just don't. And that kind of arrogance, you know, we're the elitists, we went to the good schools, and we, we're going to tell you what to do. And that's, you know, I don't blame people for being upset about that. Well, and, and, and you know, again, too, I, I guess, you know, there, there's this, there are certain levels of, uh, uh, there are opportunities for kumbaya moments and sitting cross-legged on the floor with people. But yesterday's moment in the Oval Office was not for that. And I, I, I don't know what you thought about what happened with President Trump and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, but that was honestly one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And, and, and part of it is because I don't think I've ever seen anything like that where a president is sitting in with two uh, leaders of the opposite party actually debating in front of cameras. It drove Nancy Pelosi nuts. She was begging the president not to have this debate. But that's because what would happen in these Oval Office meetings was normally you'd have um, you'd have your meeting, and then the uh, people would march down the driveway to the microphones and give you their interpretation of what happened in the meeting. President Trump, in his infinite wisdom and jocularity, decided he was just going to go ahead and have the meeting right there in front of the media, which, interestingly enough, Nancy Pelosi didn't like, which is curious considering how we've been told for the past uh, several months that the media is uh, an integral part of our democracy and how they, uh, they we, we, we shall not attack Jim Acosta because uh, freedom of the media is important. And there's Nancy Pelosi saying, let's not have this in front of the press right now, like, like they're, you know, um, chopped liver. So anyway, I thought it was brilliant. It, it was tactically a risk because but, – but see, President Trump knew that the media was going to take the side of Schumer and, and Pelosi anyway. So he might as well just go ahead and have the meeting and say what he wanted to say so that we all could see him and hear him the way he wants to be seen and heard. Yeah, I'll confess to you I haven't seen it. I, 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 I saw articles about it. Uh, this morning and skimmed it. Um, I haven't watched it yet. Uh, <laughs> I do think that there's a there's a time and a place for private conversations. Yeah, but I'm I'm very uh, I understand the president's position because in that situation, what he what he doesn't want, and I don't know if this has happened to him in the past, he doesn't want them to say one thing privately to him. Yes, and then go out and represent the meeting. In a different way, it's what and they I do. Suspect that he, that yeah, I suspect that he's he felt that's happened in the past. <laughs> it has, and that this time he was going to say it's like in the old days before social media. If you're gonna, you, you know, you would you would 
the press had would want you for an interview. They want to tape an interview. And if you were a conservative, I mean, we all knew that they uh, they were not they were highly unlikely to be really fair and balanced about it, right? Yes. So they would take the interview, and even if you this this happened to me, I mean, even if you did really well in the interview, then they edit it. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. And so uh, I, I remember once um, H.W., who you know we just buried and honored. Uh, told, uh, I think it was Dan Rather, yeah, I'll do an interview with you, uh, but I want it done live. Right. So you can't edit it. And this is the same kind of thing. In other words, I, look, I want everybody to see what everybody's saying. And I, you know, we'll see how that works. Uh, it's sort of an opening salvo in, in dealing with these people. Um, the president wants a vote on his wall. Now, I don't happen to think, Jamie, that I, I think a wall is a good idea. I don't think it's the most important thing by any means that we need to do in terms of immigration enforcement. I agree. But I do think the president's entitled to a vote on it. I mean, it'd be one thing if they voted on it and voted it down. But it's my understanding that, that they just haven't – the Senate hasn't given them a vote on it. Yeah, right. And, uh, and they ought to. And it's his priority. And you don't want it. Okay. Go on record and say why you don't want it. Right. Personally, I think a system of I mean, I think every country that's serious about a particular border has a system of fencing and passive barriers. OK, and I want people to think that this is like the wall of China necessarily. But I think it's a good idea to do that. You know, good fences make good neighbors, you know, the old statement. Uh, and he ought to get a vote. Yeah. Now, whether he ought to allow the government to shut down if he doesn't is a difficult question. Government shutdowns. Uh, you know, sometimes they work, often they don't in terms of accomplishing what you want. So this is these, this is the kind of thing he has to navigate. Yeah. And, and I, 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 you know, I'm with you on the, on the wall and I got We got to go here, but still uh, I'm with you on the wall issue. Uh, you know, he did promise it. It was an integral part of uh, his campaign. So I, I get it from that angle. I do have to tell you, though, that, that you know, our own immigration figures show us that half of the illegals here were here initially by invitation. I mean, they're, you know, right. through the visa program and, 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 and that, that one actually congressman lost his job over when he added that amendment that still actually might be voted on to expand this green card system. But, but nonetheless – uh, I know that people. The, the, one of the biggest problems is the overstaying of these visas that we are giving right. to begin with, and so uh, and, and a wall is not going to resolve that problem. And I would I would actually make the argument that that visa overstaying it probably is hurting more Americans making meaningful incomes. Uh, than it than than people cross, crossing the Rio Grande, but I don't know. I might be wrong about that, but I, I, I'm just saying. I know you got to go, Jamie. I'll just add this, okay? There, there's a lot of things that government doesn't do well, and we probably shouldn't expect it to do well. Some things the government does are hard, okay? Border enforcement is something governments have been doing for thousands of years, okay? We know how to do that. This is an example of what. We were talking about before when the people who think they're so smart and they run everything right can't do the simple things, and and then and yet they present themselves as knowing everything to everybody else. And you go, well, look, you can't even enforce a border. Yeah, I mean, come on. I know. 
it's like it's why I used to complain when I was uh, about transportation infrastructure. You know, how come the roads are so lousy? I mean, this is government does know how to build roads and maintain roads, right? This is not rocket science. Urban education, Jamie, that's hard. In fact, education's hard. Okay, but but border enforcement, something we should know how to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, uh, you know, it could be worse. We could have been in medieval Italy, um, where uh, when I was over there, you know, the, you had all these beautiful little cities. Went down to Cinque Terre, which is uh, on the Ligurian Sea, and up on the mountains there. Uh, you, you'd see these uh, small towns, these small villages, and every single one of them had, you know, uh, first of all, like these amazing, gigantic uh, walls and turrets, and people would peer out of them because people wouldn't leave each other alone back in those days. Every time you turned around, there was some goofball arriving on a boat to pillage your your town so these people would so every city i mean you, you go into the in luca there the walled city of luca is world famous it's just like you know uh the walls are not it's not like they're just out of the blue i'm not quite sure we need something similar to that but you know i thought that was interesting to see historically it is very interesting to you you're a much better traveled man than i am i i'm I'm probably the least cosmopolitan person you know. <laughs> I uh, I have I have little desire to to see um, exotic places. Well, I we were those who want to do that, but it's just not my my thing. Well, know? it was my it, it was actually my in laws Kathy and Don's. It was their fiftieth wedding anniversary, so instead of. Uh, uh, instead of us giving them a gift for their 50th wedding anniversary, they gave us a gift and took everybody to Italy. So, you know, it was, be- it was beautiful. I mean, it was great. It was everybody so amazing. Everybody said like that. Right? I know. I mean, it was like, wow, this is just uh, amazing. And it was really a, a beautiful place. But, yeah, um, anyway. Well, my daughter's getting married in the next year, so I hope she doesn't listen to this show because she's <laughs> – she's, if my son-in-law is expecting me to pay for a trip to Italy, oh uh, uh, yeah. Well, no. Is it is it common? I know that you have to pay for the wedding, but do the do the do the bride's yeah. parents have to pay for the honeymoon too? I didn't no, know that. No, okay, no, okay. Because I, 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 I just hope he doesn't get any ideas for down the road either. <laughs> Although it was very nice of your your in-laws to do that. No, yeah. I don't have to. No, that is. Um, but I'm very pleased about it. He's a good guy. And, yeah. Well, I have, so, I know, have, it's, uh, it's something we want One wants all one, one's children to end up in good relationships like that. So. Right. Yeah. I have, I have three girls, so I'm, I've got to start saving up, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be loving that anyway. All right, <laughs> I'm Jimmy. Just starting to confront what that means. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, buddy, I appreciate you as always. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. It's always fun talking to you, Jim. Same to you, Jamie. All right, brother. I'll see you later. Yeah. Speaking of that, having money for the weddings, keep the proud sponsors of Radio Free Almond coming. And one of those is Golden Oak Lending, 314-567-GOLD. 314-567-GOLD. GoldenOakLending.com. And you'll be able to go ahead and get two months of float. We'll have to make a house payment until February when you get a refi with them. Rachel Lowe could be going up in spring. Who knows? So 
Make sure you go ahead and get in while the getting is good with Golden Oak Lending, goldenoaklending.com, and 314-567-GOLD. And also, we've got Nutrition HQ, NHQ.rocks, Ricky Hall, veteran-owned, right there in Rock Hill. He's got all kinds of great supplements for you, energy, lifts, boosts, post-workouts, pre-workouts, hormone energizers, both for men and women, weight loss programs for you, everything else to get into the holidays, not having time to work out, get a fat burner from old Ricky Hall, NHQ.rocks, appreciate it very much, so uh, I see uh, Bono out there in the green room. Bono, why don't you come on in, man? Uh, let's, let's, let's check in with Bono again from last week. We, we can't get enough of Daniel. U2 Hype is performing at Del Mar Hall on Friday night. Oh, wait a minute. Michael Stipe's here, too? Oh, my good morning. What's up, buddy? How are you? How you doing? It's a rock and roll show now. I love it. Late. It was like 2 a.m. 2 a.m. You and I met for the first time at the Midnight Ramble. Oh, no kidding! Oh yeah, I remember hosting the Midnight Ramble. I was I was like the MC of the Midnight Ramble. Correct. With, with my '90s tribute band. I was going to say Blackness. which one of your millions. Oh, is, that's right. Yeah. And we were doing some cake, and <laughs> we, we were all geeking on that. You were doing cake too, huh? Yeah. That's right. Oh wait, do you have a? Uh, it's great to see you. Let me just make sure I'm doing this okay here. So we've got. Um, what do you got in your hand there, bud? What, what, wait, wait, what, what's your name again? Jason. Jason. Okay, nice to meet you, buddy. Jason, Jason is basically Michael Stipe, right? Jason. Yes. And and and, and, and uh, but a hundred other people as well. <laughs> All right. In excess. Let's list them. I do my best. So we've got we've got. Uh, Two bands. This is a great. This is an awesome poster here. Yeah. This is kind of this is a yeah. frameable little piece of art here, buddy, Jason. You. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. It's really nice. So, uh, for twenty bucks, you have an entire night. I mean, honestly, that's that's a bargain. So you've got uh, two amazing tribute bands. You've got U uh, two Hype, which is a tribute to U two, obviously. And Daniel, you met last yeah. week. Uh, he was in and and. Uh, did some U2 for us, which is really great, by the way. Thank People you. love that, man. Good. And you have Jason, who uh, is uh, part of Murmur, which is a tribute to R.E.M. And both of these uh, bands, by the way, uh, what is it, by U2 Hype, R.E.M., uh, uh, by one, 120 Minutes. What am I missing there? Mm-hmm. What am I missing it's there, you. Jason? Uh, it's, it's well, just, by... 120 Minutes is my classic alternative rock cover oh. band. Oh, nice. Okay. It's just so, part of the empire, the, the Nelson Empire. So you, That's all it is. So you, let me guess. You guys play things like Possum Kingdom and all that kind of stuff? We do that. Do you really? Ramones and Fugazi and The Cure. and uh, We patterned after the MTV 120 Minutes show that ran for 20 years. Oh, Wow. So yeah, I think that's so cool. You know, it's 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 interesting. I always I always joke around about the early '90s alternative music, 
And I always uh, thought that, boy, the, if if you were a young woman, particularly the girlfriend of somebody in a 90s alternative uh, song, usually we're winding up down by the river or, you right. know, uh, out behind something, you know, it was always True. kind of like I dangerous to be a, yeah, right. It was dangerous to be a young woman in, in a 90s uh uh, rock uh, uh, '90s alternative piece. Let me grab. Let me grab the, though oh, some yeah. REM. Now, see, uh, Jason, I'm a I'm a huge uh, REM fan, and I actually like a lot of the um, uh, like. Uh, let me let, let me let me get it here. I got my one of my favorites is actually um, the Out of Time uh, album, which I really oh, yeah. like. I like I like their their way older stuff. But uh, out of time is really a, a really a good one. I agree. Um, but nonetheless, so now what are we going to do here? Okay, keep in mind this is at Del Mar Hall. It's Friday night. Mm-hmm. The doors open at seven o'clock. The show starts at eight. Uh, there is reserved seating available if you want to check that out. I think Brandy started the queue already, so I think there's a line. Probably you got to get <laughs> a number. Really? <laughs> you get your hand marked. Does she we'll have be her... coming in about three if you want to come back to the loading dock and meet us all. Right, <laughs> right, right on. Just a tip. So does so does Brandy uh, have a sleeping bag out there already probably, and everything? Huh? Yeah, probably got her tent up and I love hot it. Chocolate. So uh, anyway, this is this is going to be a. I mean, and plus it's going to be a really fun night for all of you who uh, love this music and you know. Uh, there's so many memories associated with uh, the music. That's one of the great things about yeah. the tribute bands. You guys address all these uh, people have somewhere, some way. They were someplace when they first heard Mysterious Ways or oh, yeah. someplace when they first heard Superman or you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of it's – a, it's a beautiful thing. And plus it's fun. These guys are fun. So, Radio uh, Free Europe. Yeah, that right. Was the first song for me, I heard. Oh yeah, right. I think it was on like huge. It was like on. I think it was on like Fridays. Yeah, that show Fridays that had the bands. Like it was like at one in the morning. Yeah. Wait a minute. When I was talking mm. about Italy early on, you oh. were going crazy. What's oh. up with that? Are you from Italia? Oh, is no, it? no. I want to go back. Oh, okay. Anybody watching from Italy, I'm ready to come. When you guys <laughs> want to have me back, I'm I'm there. Go fund me to Italy. That's, That's right. What you need to start go doing. Go fund Dano. All right. So I'm going to let you guys. You guys look like you already know what you guys. You guys already have a plan, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, so <laughs> we rehearsed and rehearsed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, and, and I love these guys. Uh, again, make sure you, for 20 bucks for a, a night, you know, it's going to be like, you know, four hours of fantastic fun, probably five Radio, when you get right down to it. Almond Radio. Almond Radio. Transit. Calling out. I'm in transit. <laughs> I love it, you guys. All right, Radio so free I'm gonna I'm gonna adopt that. I can I could use that as one of my little uh, yeah. breakers. Okay, so now what are you Happy guys to gonna do, do here for us? What are you What are you doing? Song. Okay, I'll let you go. So you guys are actually gonna ultimately play together uh, Friday night too, right? Yeah, there's gonna be some you have your separate... Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Jason's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah exactly is. what we're gonna do, brother. Lots of surprises. Good morning, this morning. Uh, thought maybe I was going to get pulled off of Facebook for mysterious ways, but I dodged a bullet there. No. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook. They can never. If I play a little Genesis, that's the one thing you play. If you if you play something just off the grid enough, 
the Facebook algorithm mafia can't can't find you, you know. Like I was playing Nectar the other day and I was like, I know they're not gonna be able to they're not gonna be able to find this. Pick up on this one. If the problem is either the minute you start playing like the fifth dimension, they'll pull you off like in ten seconds. So you gotta watch you gotta there's certain songs I'm learning I can't play. We're getting a light we're getting ultimately a license, but it's a complicated process through Facebook where you gotta fill out all this paperwork and you gotta do you know. To me, if if you're an artist you want to be played on Facebook. Absolutely. You know? I mean, although, although I, do, I do appreciate the fact that artists do, are certainly, like, in time, like, I don't steal music. Like, everything I do, I, I'll, buy the, I'll buy the music. So I do believe they're in, obviously entitled to um, their art. So I don't want to steal anything from anybody. But anyway. Right. Yeah. Neither here nor there. You guys, you guys aren't stealing. You're you're honoring. You are tribute. tributing. Absolutely, paying tribute to these people. And because what happens is every time you we hear a U two hype or uh, REM uh, murmur, um, I'm going. You know what? I got to go out and get that. I'm, I'm going to download that song. They might hear a song that they haven't downloaded yet off of iTunes. So they got to love you guys. All right, gentlemen. I hope so. Yes. Is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? And will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame. You said one love, one life, to one you need.
you made me crawl To what you got well, When he cut his hurt One love One blood One life He got to do what you should One night With each other Sisters Common sense brothers One life But we're not the same Get to carry each other, carry each other. Friday night, whoa! Carry everybody to right the Del Hall. We can't play the guys. whole thing. I want to pull off. Yeah, your voice is <laughs> just uh, good. You guys Thank just you. rock. These are guys who play till midnight, and it's eight thirty in the morning, and oh, they are yeah. they are as I've velvety as singing. <laughs> they are as velvety as it comes, man. Uh, but by the way, do you did you guys know each other uh, through the band before all this, or do you- I knew of Dano? He'd heard the legend. Yeah, okay, the legend of Dano. <laughs> oh, is that right? No, actually, what happened <laughs> for me was uh, the drummer, my drummer. Again, it goes back to the yeah. drummers, right? Yeah, Phil Collins. We talked about him all right. last week. Um, the drummer that I have now, uh, Radimir Ratkovic, has played with him in his. Um, Jason Nelson band, yes. and maybe other things, I don't know. But um, that was kind of how it connected. Wow. Once again, the drummer. That's really Drummers. great. Now, let me ask you this, too, because, I mean, obviously, it's and then that. he approached me to do it. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I think R.E.M. and you yeah. two is a good fit. Right on. Yeah. And it's not necessary to know this, but did you guys rehearse this before you sang this together? Today? Mm. Never. Uh, wow! I mean, that's just on the cuff. <laughs> yeah, so I just mean, imagine that, that, Friday night in the Del Mar Hall. I, I, I figure it as much. I mean, it wasn't that it didn't it didn't seem unrehearsed. It just was like I I I, so I had a hunch you guys were such natural that that uh, such naturals that you probably didn't even rehearse. It seemed like yeah. you guys were picking up on each other what the yeah. other person was throwing. It was great. Uh, that's the best way. Oh, absolutely, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah no doubt, stuff, no doubt. Sure. Wow, uh, that's amazing, job, man. Yeah, really, really, really uh, good it's job. Be really good. Likewise, you know, it's fun. So and, and imagine. What am I that- singing with you? I'm doing. Uh, this one goes out to the one I love. Yeah. So that. Oh, be that's fun. a great song. You guys I, gonna- I don't know. Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, stop! <laughs> right, I don't know what on guitar, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I've not rehearsed. So yeah. Um, this one goes out to you know. It's fun. You know, I have a little story to tell you, Jason. You might like this because you guys. So you, the, um, you know, my brother uh, wrote a play. An off-Broadway play called "What's the Frequency, Kenneth?" Really? And, and, and if you look it up, it's Paul Allman, and oh, cool. I saw it performed in New York, and it was all about it was all about the Dan Rather. Right. Thing. It was it was the craziest damn thing, and wow. and that song, I mean, uh, is so cool. is yeah, is on. is so damn good, yeah. and it's and it's so weird anyway. Yeah, the whole thing oh. is just weird. But it's a powder keg. Listen to this intro. And then it kicks in. That's amazing yeah. to me. Yeah. I'm going to be bouncing all around the place oh, I know. when we're playing. Sonically, it's so fun. You will be able to mash with Bono. <laughs> right on. Jason, so, so what, What? because uh, we asked Daniel about the Bono thing. So how did you then develop, what is it about the REM uh, vibe? What is it about the REM that made you so, uh, to do the tribute band? He... Michael Stipe's voice is, to me, it's so naked. 
And it's that in itself, just it's beautiful to me. The way that he, for instance, on this song, he pushes and and he does things that to contrast on a song like Day Sleeper or Go Out to the One I Love. Yeah, right. it's, Everybody hurts. Oh my god! Uh, oh yeah, man. Or or night swimming. Do you remember that song? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so it's so laid back and it's it's beautiful and it, he has a vocal contrast to a Freddie Mercury where that is it, it's just so different. Right, right. That's the world that I'm moving in it, because I have a Queen tribute. Oh, and you do an REM tribute. <laughs> And a Ramones tribute, oh wow! And a Faith No More tribute, okay, all of these vocal stylings in excess, in excess that w- they're so different. Iron Maiden. Oh wait, you, those are all your tribute yeah. bands, really? In know, excess, even? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so I, you know, 2018 was m- kind of my my bucket list year. Yeah, right. To do all these different projects. So, what compelled me to push R.E.M. more than my other tributes was, for one, my love of the music, but yeah. it has been embraced by St. Louis. Oh, yeah. All, all these these people in the community were like, you have to do that more. Right. We right. want more of that. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, and, and people will listen, I mean, people will listen, you know, Daniel was talking about how at one time they played... Uh, like after a U2 concert, and, and everybody came out because you, you just wanted to be kind of reminded. You want to, you still have the, the whole vibe going, the energy right. going. And, you know, REM, though, they don't – do they perform live very often? I don't really see them in St. Louis a whole lot. They have retired. The band has not been playing together for now going on – I mean, it, yeah. it's been since 2004. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, it's been years. Right, right. Michael Stipe's been asked, much like uh, the other members of the band, is there any thought about getting back together and just playing shows? They're even opposed to that. They're like, no, we don't want to do uh, uh, you know all, all hit parade, right, right, kind of approach to their shows. Yeah. So he always just been living their lives. Yeah. Yeah, Michael wow. Stipe always seemed to be very a very like a very serious guy. Like he, you know, oh he, yeah, he gets up there and, and you know he always ha- I, the the way I always see Michael Stipe, unlike like for instance Bono, uh, Stipe's up there with his uh, little uh, one earphone yep. in his ear thing, and he's like just you know kind of like so laser focused on mm-hmm. this this area Absolutely. microphone, you know, hand both hands right exactly on the mic all the time. and. Really trying to focus and hit the notes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whereas the gregarious <laughs> right approach that Dano yeah, has, yeah, channeling Bono is amazing. <laughs> He's all over the place. Right. So now you brought in. A, so you do you do a Queen tribute also, right? So Somebody is this all love? this is this all the same band, or do you have different guys in different bands? I am blessed to work with thirty five different. Wow musicians in town. St. Louis is as you well know. Yeah, yeah. Just a, a wealth of 
talent. No doubt, man. So you've got like you've got like a tribute dynasty going there. That's ah, what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I got to get in there with the Phil Collins. Genesis <laughs> yeah, right on. Quick. And per Live Nation, St. Louis is a hotbed yeah. of you. tribute. Wow, and the center band. of the universe for tribute bands right. right now. I don't know why, but it is. It, is. it wasn't in two thousand. Let me tell you that. Oh, okay. When you started so, yeah. yeah, when I was the only tribute band in St. <laughs> yeah. Louis. Well, St. Louis and, and music, I mean, but, like even here at Gaslight, where they continue to introduce new yeah, new cool bands and, and really good oh, yeah. new yes. artists. I mean, so thankful for that. Yeah, it's almost like St. Louis, in, in my opinion, can compete any day of the week with Austin or yeah. uh, Madison Certainly. or Athens, Georgia, whatever, where, yeah. where these guys, you know. The only differentiating factor in this man's humble opinion is that... These artists in St. Louis are not compelled to get out and tour oh, right. yeah. regionally as much as, say, the Memphis folks or oh, the right. Chicago folks. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and, and that's true. And, and I think, uh, too, though, I think most bands would tell you uh, that they love St. Louis audiences. Oh, yeah. Uh, people are really yeah. into music here. Yeah. And into the and into the bands, oh, which is absolutely. why I think you guys are going to like. I think this place is going to be packed. We hope so. I mean, yeah. uh, we will be. You might have to. You might <laughs> if have to they just... sold it out by themselves, and we don't sell it out. I think yeah. I'm done. I'm thinking <laughs> back. Gonna, you can have my guitar. <laughs> you can have my shades. You guys are going to be. You guys going to become like the uh, urge. You got to do two nights. You ah, know? right. Yeah, right. right. is what I'm going for. Oh, right. Elmas. You know what? Three nights at the pageant. Thank you very much. It's so amazing. I I oh. I. No First saw El Monstero probably 15 Incredible. years after they had already been doing their mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And um, I, it was like a couple of years ago. And I was like, I can't believe how great this is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it was it was amazing. It's an amazing right. show. Production yeah. is outrageous. Yeah, right, right. Incredible. So what's your favorite <laughs> REM? What's your favorite REM song? Do you have one? Right now, it's got to be Day Sleeper. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. You know, I was in vintage vinyl yesterday, and uh, they were playing Accelerator. <laughs> yeah, it it was awesome. Yeah. Last week it was uh, Find the River. <laughs> yeah. Who's the Who's the guy that Who's the guy that plays um, Who's Who's the guy that plays with him? Who you know, he's? It's kind of like our every band has. What's that? Peter Buck, oh, Peter the guitar Buck. player. Uh, yeah, who every band has Jangly one guy guitars. they throw a bone to who gets to do a song, right? Oh, yeah. And or Mike or Mills, the, yeah, the bass, okay. bass player. Too, yeah. He sings. A, he writes yeah. a handful of tunes. Just for yeah. the record, on the drummers, Bill Berry was a great is a great drummer. Was a great drummer. Oh yeah, right. Um, he's real similar to uh, Larry Mullen's style of drumming, and. Um, Always, always enjoyed it. Always one of those guys playing for the song, playing the parts. Yeah, for the song, like Larry does. I have to admit, I don't know whether. <laughs> I, I, let me ask you this, just for my opinion, since I'm not a, a big, I'm not totally familiar with REM, but was out of time considered to be heretical to uh, REM's past, or was it just a departure? Because I really like Out of Time. I probably like Out of Time more than I like uh, all their uh, some of their other That's stuff. The new school uh, approach, yeah. that REM has. But we are, for better or for worse, we'd like to think better. Uh, a very life's rich pageant, yeah. heavy band. 
And if you like the earlier, yeah, yeah, uh, um, you know, albums, we cover tunes from the first eleven. Yeah. Albums. Well, that's what people are more familiar with. Like you're not going to yeah, you, you, right. normally near Wild Heaven isn't going to be something you, it's, you know, they're going to they're going to do. But. We go deep. Oh yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, gardening at night is yeah. Uh, you know, this is the set list, and it, it's you know we we start. I know. Uh, I don't want to give it all away, but <laughs> we have um, some some mine. deep cuts. But you know. Yeah. Driver eight, you know what's the frequency, Kenneth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Radio Free Almond. I mean, yeah, Europe. right. <laughs> Radio Free Europe. Yeah, uh, the, these are we hit all the all the highlights. End of the world. Yeah, oh, good stuff. Yeah, that's gonna be. This is gonna be so much fun, you guys. It and it's, You're coming, it's, right? Uh, tw- yes. You got a driver. Um, I'm gonna stop know. by. Uh, what's it? You got a driver already? Yeah, I know Phil. Was, ah! I, don't, I never know whether Phil really means. What, I mean, sometimes you know, Phil will say, "Hey, man, I'll do this." I'm like, "Hey, man, you Phil. ready?" He's like, "Ah." Uh, Phil, I'm you sorry, need to bring Jamie you know. to the Delmar Hall. Friday. Phil's awesome. You all know Phil? I don't know Phil. Oh, okay. He's he's a like musician. He's nine killer. He's the, the band is. Uh, oh, that's right. You told me that. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's a great musician and is a great uh, friend of the man. show and has been busy. Actually, one of the reasons he was cool. on the show a lot with me mm-hmm. uh, before uh, and and was one of my biggest supporters. And when everything kind of went crazy, but uh, he actually was. On the show for a lot, and then now he's been. They they just had a new album. They were they were down in Nashville, oh, yeah, doing some stuff. So it was uh, it was it on was great. Road. Now you guys, what let me crazy. ask you a quick question though too, because I don't I don't want to give you anything more to do. But what I'm saying is, do you all you all seem like you would be like people who do tribute band stuff? Almost seem like they would be almost the perfect perfect uh, session musicians or session vocalists or whatever. Considering your adaptability, you know, right, the the nuance. That's where the craft of what we do lies. Yeah. We, like, I, I've been on a steady diet of REM, <laughs> living and breathing it. Yeah. And I, I geek on the way that he enunciates certain words. Right, and the phrasing right. And, the, you know, the, hitting the notes is is yeah. on the back burner. Right. Mm-hmm. The execution is what I. So do you think that? Um, geek on because you're like a million in one here. So you're, you're on a steady diet of REM, but you got shows coming up where you're going to do the, you know, oh, all this yeah. other stuff. So um, you got to like put that hat on. Faith No More is a band that from I my childhood. <laughs> right. Uh, I I grew up to I was I was one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. mm-hmm. Who is what is he listening to? Yeah. Mr. Bungle. Yeah. Um, but my other tribute projects, so I have a show coming up at uh, Broadway Oyster Bar. Oh, nice. Uh, January 11th. Really? Um, for my retro nerds. Oh, the retro. 80s yeah. tribute. Oh, band. wow. And we're doing an excess that night. Oh, nice. And then the following Friday, January 18th at Broadway Oyster Bar, we're doing 120 minutes uh, and then the Ramones. Oh, wow. So the Ramones, yeah. they are a doo-wop band yeah. that started what is now punk. Right, I right. mean, they're the godfathers of punk. Yeah. 
So now, so, can you get well? So is Bono there a place? That one. Is there a clearinghouse? I mean, I think there ought to. Well, maybe there is already. There ought to be like a tribute band Facebook page that has everybody because you guys are all friendly with each other. I'm yeah, sure. So there, there you is. Think there'd be some kind of. Is there? Is yes, there some way we St. can Louis. find out where you are? And oh. we know where you right. You have yeah. your yeah, yeah. Uh, YouTube, YouTube hype site mm-hmm. and. So yeah, how would we find Bono. out what you're like? What you're up to and see a schedule or something similar to uh, your YouTube hype. Mm-hmm. Website. I have jasonnelsonband.com. Jasonnelsonband.com. Cool. It, um, all of my Everything projects are on oh, there. Oh, good. Perfect. Yeah. I love it, 100 tribute bands yeah. are yeah. there. Well, you know, you guys, I, I got to tell you, though, that, that this is why we love this, and, and, and actually, which is why I love the whole Radio Free Alma Nation and mm-hmm. all the eclectic people who listen to it and tune in, because... Um, first of all, people, I think there's one thing they have in common because we have people who are business owners and people who are the blue collar, all those people. One thing people appreciate is um, energy, passion, creativity, taking risks, mm-hmm. you know, all right. those things that, that kind of put you out there. And uh, so we, we all know all about risk. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We won't go into that. Yeah, but so but 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 people appreciate <laughs> that and support that and, and, and because that's the way we all live or, or and sometimes it's even the way we all wish to live right. and, and vicariously. live vicariously through you guys. So Damn. I mean I, I gotta tell you, this is like right in the wheelhouse of, of the, awesome. and, and also people are joyful. I mean they're yep. they're fun. They like yeah, yeah. just having fun. Yeah. You know. It's um, definitely Everybody on stage time. that night, you you may pick up on it, but we're having the time of our right. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that your your entertainment is the byproduct. Right on. I think that's I think that's what'll set it all off too. Is because we're everybody is tributing bands that they're huge fans of. Huge. Like my guys are all you know. I mean, we're all yeah. YouTube. Everybody's a YouTube fan, right? But then, you know, we're all, I love R.E.M., grew up on them and everything else. So I'm like, oh, I'm watching R.E.M. Like I yeah. said, I'm going to be in the, I'll be right in the throes. You will love be it. able oh. to uh, well, rush up against this. This is one of the reasons why also, I, I happen to actually be more appreciative of, of the tribute, tribute band than, than like, let's say, the cover band. Because uh, there's here. a difference. Because, like, for instance, uh, I, I, I love, like, people... And I, I guarantee you, I'll, I mentioned this, and I'll be attacked Me too. Uh, for sure. it. But but people like I can't stand to hear Michael Bublé sing "Fly Me to the Moon" because <laughs> it's like, dude, uh, it's not "Flaw Me to the Moon" anyway. And you talked about enunciation <laughs> earlier. One of the things about Frank Sinatra is it, Frank Sinatra sang like a man and said "Fly Me That's to right. the Moon." Right. It's not right. "Flaw Me to the Moon," yeah. and so that drives me nuts. Mm. So I'd, I'd rather see somebody actually. When they're doing a Sinatra song, yeah. although uh, somebody else wrote it, obviously, and he's even covering kind of the, that right. uh, the original version. But, but nonetheless, I'd rather see somebody just do what he does, right? Yeah. you know, hop on the notes like a jaguar hops on an injured right. caribou and do, and, <laughs> and do it like, a, like you, have, you have some energy. In my mind. Yeah, cause, cause no, but nobody wants to hear Good one. No. A, 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 a different version of Superman. We want right. to hear Superman. Exactly. You Absolutely. Know? I mean, that's kind of, and that's what love, we love about it, you know. Yeah, that, if, you're, if you're a tribute band, you're a tribute band. That's you're the definition band. between the two. Exactly. Yeah. The cover band Details. has that kind of loosey-goosey license. Right, right. Whereas the tribute try to yeah. maintain yeah. the integrity. Well, plus people love to kind of see how well. I mean, to me, 
it's also kind of harder to be a tribute band because uh, although people are there to have fun, they're not always you know trying to check boxes and stuff. Right. Uh, but 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 it is. But you have to really channel. Be serious about it. You have right. to really. You can't just be out there. You know, karaoke. You got to be like. You're like right in. You know. I, I know my guys. Um, I'm sure you two hype. The dress, the yeah. mannerisms, the movements. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, we've been focused on YouTube live shows for oh, the, really? the last month. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and that's through JasonNelsonBand.com or, or watching uh, REM. Oh, oh watching well, REM. Okay, like live, back in the live day. stuff as opposed oh, to records. The way right. that. That they move yeah. on stage. And, yep. Yeah, I love it. What's done at a certain time in the show. Like every, this is a giveaway, but every every time I sing Beautiful Day, after the flood, all the colors come out. Oh. It goes open with the American flag in it. Yep. Nice. It's the, it's the uh, cover of time, uh, you know, photo shot. Yeah, I love it, man. I, and, I love it, you I'm guys. probably in 18 years. I've not missed that unless I haven't been wearing that jacket, which... Probably was very few times that I didn't have the right jacket right. on, but yeah, I but love that's that the song. stuff that people, you know, they just go out of their minds about. Yeah, they, they love do. it. Well, you guys, man, I'll tell you, uh, congratulations and uh, thank you. One thank night, uh, two headliners, one okay. stage. There we go. Yes, a murmur, a tribute to REM. <laughs> By 120 minutes, as it's billed, as it's billed on as all the it's billed. I love this right here. It's, it's right in the front a, of the It's a, it's a cool right, poster, right man. I got to tell you. Thank you. One. That is compliments of Will Horton. Yeah. No our, kidding. Our bass player. Yeah, man. Yeah, tribute to YouTube by YouTube is, hype. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like old school. The colors and yeah, I didn't get the ships, but oh, I, I, I learned to like it. Yeah, on the what high is it about seas, the ships? Oh, okay, you have the imagery of. We're not at war. Uh, yeah, no, we are not. But they're they're dominating. That's right, dominating that's presence. Right, that's oh yeah, that's man. Right. Each in their own right. That's right. Yeah, you can you can almost yeah. You, I love. Actually, I love these. You know, the big beautiful wooden. Yeah. You know, so did we. Ships. Yeah. The what do they call them? The schooners or uh, yeah, tall schooners, ships? Whatever they call <laughs> tall ships. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> schooners. Schooners. These are these are the kind that would. These are the kind that they'd try to get in on uh, Chicutera, man. That's what these, are, these are the ones who, the ones. these guys Ram, come in here and yeah. ramming speed. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's what we'll be at ramming speed on Friday night for sure. All right, gents. Well, listen, it's great to meet you uh, and, and great to have you guys. And we'll see you Friday night. At Del, and Delmar Hall is great. Delmar Hall is uh, mm-hmm. kind of a nice, uh, wide open space. And it, it's uh, it's just as a, it's really a great venue it's for something like this. Yeah, because people can kind of hang out and dance and do whatever. But, right. Um, it's it's uh it's a great place. I do have one story, quick story, because I, I told you about this. Delmar Hall is where I was at the presidential debate, the Clinton, uh, the Clinton and Trump right. debate, right? So I'm there uh, and I'm I'm covering it, doing the kind of thing. But I also that night had tickets to go see Bronze Radio Return at Delmar Hall, and I was like, okay, I need and to wrap this up. I, and I, and Here I we go, people. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I got. I made it halfway through the show, but I left that presidential debate because I was like, "I'm leaving. I'm going. I gotta, I'm going to see Bronze Radio Return at Delmar Hall." Got it. That's my Delmar Hall story. There you go. You got a good U two story too. He missed seeing you too. I did oh, no. uh, at, at, at like a place me. called Merlin's in Madison, Wisconsin, in 1981. And holy uh, cow! Yeah. I had a eighty-one. I, I had a girlfriend. Uh, my 
Cheerleader. College girlfriend, cheerleader from Virginia Beach. There you go. And, Were you going uh, to school or did you drive I was home? going to school. Okay. Yeah, I was there. Um, and uh, actually, my cheerleader from Virginia Beach wound up being one of the homeless on the on the uh, front lawn of the White House. I'm just telling you, wow. it was a long story. But Whoa. she, but she, she was poisoned by some weird professors there. I'm tell- I'm not kidding you. Wow. Oh, I she see. wound up. She wound up actually uh, being becoming the girlfriend of Daniel Ortega's brother. Whoa! I'm not. She went all the way you. down there to El Salvador, and yo, know, yeah, I'm oh not kidding. You. I'm not. That was back in the day. That was a good move. Stop shaving her legs and everything. I was like, oh, oh. oh yeah, no, I was. Uh, that was well after I had. We'd already run our course, but nonetheless, I'm uh, sure she was a lovely lady. She, oh, she. Oh yeah, she was gorgeous, beautiful, and <laughs> and, and, and turned me on to you too. And then, I love her. For whatever reason, I just, just I, I couldn't go or I was doing something, and there was probably about 150 people at Merlin's, and you 2 was still just kind of playing bars oh my gosh. at the time. 150 people? I mean, Merlin's wasn't, Merlin's was like the pageant, though. It wasn't like it was that bad. It was just, right. no, it was, it, but it was, it was a smaller, yeah. way smaller venue, though. But just missed him, man. I did too. I missed him in Minneapolis. Then I missed him again because oh, of the of the, the protest in St. Louis in September. So oh, right. didn't we all? <laughs> but I didn't tell you that uh, actually that night. I did. I tell you, I saved the day kind of because, <laughs> well, the band did. We ended up scrapping together a gig that night. Oh, the night at, they can't they yeah, had to the cancel? Chase Park. Uh, oh wow, yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. that place was insane. It was packed. You know, from people from all over the world who are just right? dead. You know, broken hearted, and then all of a sudden, boom! I come out. I love it. Man. We played for like we we're supposed to do like sixty minutes because uh, another band was playing there. But two of the guys in that band, uh, Big Rain, were there, and they play with me as well. So I had half my band already there. Wow! And so great. we ended up doing ninety minutes, and they said that was the most anybody ever been in there. Ah, packed, that's great. And it was the loudest it's ever been in there as well. I mean, the band hit yeah, everybody. Yeah, right, right. But it was magic. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. The minute I, I when I got in there, because I did a, actually did a private pool party, which I'm available for <laughs> anytime. Uh, and I rushed from West County to there to do the chase thing. And then I, so like I barely, I just I kind of ran in the door, went on stage, and it was like, might as well, you know, I mean, it was just, that yeah. was the... That was the closest thing you were getting to any U two in St. Louis. That right night. on, so Love that was it. neat. Really yeah, that was that was really disappointing. But it was yeah. it was a wise move on their part because yeah, it was they couldn't. I don't think they had a choice in that situation. Too but yeah, too uh, good know, for them. The promoter probably should have just walked down the street and talked yeah. to those people. <laughs> yeah, those right, fifty exactly. people that were out there. Yeah, I know. And, and there was well, nobody down there later. Like, Mike Cosiella is a local oh, promoter man. who Go now lives in San Diego. Yeah. Yep. In Taste of St. Louis, two years ago, they had yep. protesters. Yeah. Right. Tried to come on to the Taste of St. Louis campus. And Mike just marched up there and talked to them. <laughs> yeah, and right. Engaged with them. Yep. And invited them in. Yeah. And everything simmered down. Yeah. But the problem is, by this, but be, even before they get here, it's kind of like, you know, during the flood of 93, how many phone calls did we get saying, are you guys underwater? Like, right. no. Right. Uh, so, so. You, you have these national, this national coverage of these protests, and you, as far as you know, the right. entire city is under siege. It's on fire, and the cars are being turned coming. Oh yeah, it's that <laughs> mental picture, like oh, it's coming. Yeah, Here right. it comes. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Fake right. news. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's just kind of it, it, so it freaks everybody out. Yep. Of course, you're at that level, Bad and you're you too. And the, and the last thing you need is you know. Yeah, uh, everybody still remembers the Who concert, you know, right? And, uh, still Cincinnati, and yeah. so everybody's kind of really <laughs> hyper, kind of crazed about yeah. anything that might create a problem. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that's uh, true. So that's good. Uh, now, I did. I did. I also will tell tell you real quickly. Um, there was a band. Now I can't. Now I forgot the name of the band. Damn it! Um, I it just left me. They were at. They were at Riverport. Oh, Guns and, and Roses. No, it was that was that was one thing. But no, they were at Riverport and they had pigeons pooping all over oh, their heads. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh, was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> yep, I remember. And I, they and they got so upset. They, they quit, left. They, they left the stage. Yes. What was wasn't the name? Uh, of the they're band? a great band. Damn it! I can't remember the name of the band. I can't it, either. It wasn't it was, Queens of the Stone Age. No. No, but it's kind of like kind of like them. What? But they're really good. Now I can't remember the. Yeah, name of the band. I remember that. Who was? Oh. oh. Somebody will pop it up on there and, and get and on there. Yeah, know. I know, because I play them all sex the time. Sex is on fire. Yeah, sex. Okay. Now oh, yeah, yeah. Kings yeah. of Leon. Kings, Kings of Leon. Leon. So I, I since at, I won. at the time, I was like, those pussies. I, I can't believe. <laughs> then I realized that, you know what? Then I listened to more Kings of Leon. Yeah. I was like, yeah, man, they had every right. How long are you going to stand there and get and have, pooped on by yeah. pigeons? <clears throat> right. You know? How many bands, though, do we know <laughs> that you know now personally that would have held their ground, though? Yeah, like, maybe. Like, okay, yeah. the show, these folks, they got babysitters. Yeah, yeah. They paid their 25 yeah. bucks to sit. Travel yeah. from who knows listen. where. Man. Maybe the yeah. dude, like, had some, you know. Yeah. Ancestor um, who died from pigeon droppings, yeah, or exactly, knows? or allergic you know. reactions. Or <laughs> yeah, I'm allergic knows, to pigeon you know? droppings. All right, guys, like so listen. Tap. You know what's great about this though, too, is is you know, best laid plans. I had intentionally said, well, you know, um, come on in, we'll talk to you for ten minutes and go, and we just talked for you <laughs> know forty five, which is great because I'm fascinated by the work you guys do and all that you do. But now Thank I gotta you. now I gotta get off the air, so. Do you want to take us out with something, or you just want to just kind of like you may go ahead and I'll do the theme? Want? I don't want to put you on the spot. That's right. You know, in God's country. Daniel Burrows and JasonNelson.com is where you can find info desert about Jason's stuff. Dream beneath desert sky. Rivers run, will soon run dry. Need new dreams on Friday night. <laughs> Delmar Hall. 20 bucks, and you've got Murmur, a tribute to REM, and a tribute to U2 by U2 Hype. It's going to be a great, great time. Doors open at uh, 7 o'clock, shows at 8. Reserve seating available, but 20 bucks just to party like it's 1980 through 2003, <laughs> or whatever you want, <laughs> however you want to do it. Uh, you're going to be able to do it, and it's and and you guys, it's been a privilege having you in the studio. Thank you, James. And uh, thanks for coming. Nice to see you again, Jason. I, I, I'm boy, it's been a long time Likewise. since we yeah. we had that. So um, thank you guys for listening to Radio Free Almond, and hope you have a great rest of your day. We are from the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. Thank you for that sponsorship, my friends. Thank you to. Golden Oak Lending, 314-567-GOLD. Nutrition HQ, NHQ.rocks in beautiful Rock Hill, Manchester McKnight. Thank you also to Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. Low premiums, low deductibles all at the same time. Thank you also to... 
My buddy Michael Proctor. Proctor spelled like doctor. ProctorDrapery.com. He's a main competitor of the, all the highfalutin guys, but he's not highfalutin. He's got seven-day-a-week service for you, mobile design unit, and beautiful, beautiful window fashions for you. Proctor spelled like doctor, proctordrapery.com. Thank you to Tracy Ellis, tracyellis.com. Thank you to Dr. Naputi, naputiwellness.com. New location, though, by the way, too, in Chesterfield. Well, kind of relatively new, but Chesterfield and South County. And he's got that new one at Champions Village helping all you young athletes out there. So, yeah, check it out. YouTube Hype on Facebook. JasonNelson.com on the Internet. And you have a Facebook page, too, right? You guys have look him up, murmur. One in 20 minutes. Just You'll find him. We'll link him. All right, everybody. Thanks a ton. Have a great rest of your day. Jason, Daniel, thanks, guys. Appreciate you very much. Don't fence me in.